Welcome to Julie Girl, a Big Brother podcast. Julie Girl is a weekly podcast presented with an unfiltered foray into all things Big Brother. This podcast is intentionally created from an alternative POV. Big Brother has a vastly diverse fan base, but the majority of the content that I see is constantly skewed, and I wanted a place where I could be as real as possible and talk about what's really going on in these BB streets. If you ever have any suggestions for things you'd like to hear, feel free to let us know. Also, any other comments or concerns, you can slide into the DMs on Twitter at at JulieGirlPod or at BBTeamNorth. Or you can send an email to JulieGirlPod at gmail.com and I'll holla back at ya. Welcome to episode two of Julie Girl Plus. Julie Girl Plus is our postseason podcast where we talk about whatever conversations we want to have. Currently, we just did a BB UK podcast yesterday where we also talked about Survivor and Braxton Family Values, a lot of random stuff. From here on out until the next season starts, we'll just be popping in for random episodes. And this week, to get us started, I wanted to put out two episodes. So hopefully you'll enjoy one of the episodes. And last year, Michelle and I had a conversation about what it's like to be a black Big Brother fan in the modern era. It was one of our most well-received episodes, and I'm still really proud that we were able to present this conversation and dive into a topic that is rarely discussed in a productive way in this community. This year, we've added Amon into the mix, and I came with a list of questions pertaining to the experience of black people as they watch Big Brother or take part in conversations on social media. This was recorded in the weeks following Bailey's eviction from the Big Brother 20 house, but I wanted to save it for a time when it wasn't clouded by other happenings going on in the season. This is a conversation I hope that we can continue to expand on as time goes on, and we would love to hear your thoughts or concerns or any other feedback that you may have about this on Twitter. So first and foremost, you guys, please introduce yourselves to people who might not know you. Ladies first. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> ladies first, ladies first. <laughs> Fine, I am Michelle um, on Twitter. I'm at MO underscore ZPP. Um, Long time Big Brother fan. Just love the game. And go ahead, sorry. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone that listens to Julie Girl probably already knows who I am since I did help uh, BB Team North uh, cover Celebrity Big Brother. So it was a lot of fun. I'm so glad to be back, especially for a topic that I think we all hold very dear. Um, So I'm just excited to be back. So for part one of this discussion, I wanted to dive into what we've been dealing with this summer on Big Brother 20. Um, I think you guys will have some pretty good insight into what has been going on in the house and going on on Twitter. Uh, We've encountered quite a bit of mess with the house guests this summer, and I think it's important that we try to present some solid perspectives on the situations and to maybe give a a streamlined thought uh, for people who who are looking for answers, some some clarity or some, some clear thoughts regarding these situations. One of my least favorite things on Twitter is when something we perceive as offensive happens and people start to defend the bad behavior. Mm -hmm. It is a rampant issue. And we're constantly faced with people trying to build these barricades around our outrage so we don't impede on their comfort. 
So my first question to both of you is, how do we express to people who are not black or not on the receiving end of an offense why it's a problem and why their opinion on what someone finds offensive is not needed or valid in some cases? Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, man. Yeah. That's a lot to... Whew, we're really diving right in. Um, so, um, <laughs> so I, I mean, I think that we've seen this sort of response for, um, on Twitter from a lot of people that are black that are always saying, like, look, like, I'm not really sure why it is that you off want me to not be offended by something that is offensive, you know? I think that when you aren't a part of a disenfranchised community or a community that is, is oppressed, that it becomes a little bit more difficult for you to wrap your mind around something that you haven't had to deal with mm -hmm. for your entire life. And one of the things that I also find annoying about conversations like these is that whenever someone says, oh, well, you're, whenever, if, a, if a black person were to say, or any oppressed peoples were to say, hey, um, you don't understand this because this, that, and the third, because you haven't experienced what I've experienced, I see a lot of people always counter that with, oh, well, it's not like how it used to be. It's a lot different now. And it's like, yes, of course, mm -hmm. of course it is. No one's disputing that. No one's talking. No, there aren't any slaves in the Big Brother house. We, I think we can all agree on that. That's not the issue. The issue is that these, these, these microaggressions, these, the, uh, these personas and these stereotypes that black people or other people of color have to fight against, not only in the Big Brother house, but in real life, they're very, very real. And for you to discount those because it's something that you don't necessarily understand or something that you don't see happening to you it's n it's not conducive to the conversation it doesn't help us move forward because now we're talking about how valid my opinion is versus yours versus the actual issue so like what 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 gets solved yeah. i think what's so important even hearing you talk about it is the concept of perspective mm -hmm. right we each have lived a life we've engaged and experienced the world in a way that is both um, unique and universal. And sometimes we try to assume that everybody experiences the world and only the universal. So the, every perspective is universal. We would all agree on what is offensive. That's, that's just not mm -hmm. true, right? Like my experience as a heterosexual African-American female who grew up in the South, now lives on the East Coast, is very different. And how I've engaged with the world and how the world is engaged with me deserves to be honored and valued. So when I raise my hand and say, something didn't sit with me well, something offended me, something um, showed that you didn't see me fully, hear me fully, or respect me fully, that should be validated and valued in the same way that if somebody else from a different perspective, different background, different experiences with the world voice theirs, that I, even if I have, don't have anything in common with them, should just value them as a human to hear that point. And I think um, what makes it harder is because we Twitter and all social media are overly conducive to groupthink mm. and to th assuming everything is binary. Something either is offensive mm -hmm. or it isn't. You either are right or you are wrong. And like you just lose the ability to understand the nuance of human perspective um, because that, you know we'll get into this I'm sure later. But one of the things that infuriated me was when. TMZ called Devin from Big Brother and he was like, oh I don't gosh. think that anybody should be saying, I'm like, okay, Devin and your daughter, like focus <laughs> on that and don't invalidate me and my opinion and my perspective because I am not you, Devin. And so when, when people assume, well, a black person says this is okay, so this should be universally true, they completely um, tell me as a person 
who you are and how you feel does not matter to me. And nobody enjoys feeling that way. But why, why is it that you are believing the one black person that happens to agree with you mm-hmm. versus the yes. many, many others the thousands. that are also <laughs> saying something that is on the complete opposite side of the spectrum? I mean, black people come in all different mindsets, religions, backgrounds, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's a diaspora, as you will. So we're not all, just as we're not all going to have the same experiences, and sure, there are a lot of black people that have grown up with less hardship and less, like, and they haven't experienced the biting edge of racism as much as some some others have experienced, so that's going to color how they view situations, sure, that's, that's fine. But just as that is completely valid, so is someone else who says, hey, that was offensive to me. I don't think that you should have said that. And I, I'm upset right now. That shouldn't be discounted. I think it's interesting, too, because it's almost like black people don't have the privilege of having nuanced experiences. Mm-hmm. Like the black experience has to be singular and has to be one and tends to be people pick the one that they like and they say that this is the universal truth for all black people. While if you are Caucasian in this country, of course you can be different. You can have Rockstar and Haley and Angela, different personalities. Right, They're right. all allowed mm-hmm. to think differently. But not only in the Big Brother house, but also in this country when there's, the, um, it's assumed that there's like one black opinion, one black voice, one black perspective, and we're going to cherry pick the one that best suits the narrative we're trying mm-hmm. to perpetuate. I mean, just like Omarosa, the whole situation with her, she is the one that they can go to. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, we could dive into that deep yeah. and deep. But it's like, just like with Devin, he's the one that's going to come out and say what they want him to say. But that's not mm-hmm. the overarching truth, really, for most people who would be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wild. So in, in this same kind of situation, how do you feel when it moves into the conversation of the N-word? Um, people telling you how you should feel about when it's used and how you should not feel about when it's used. And and who should be able to use it, and people thinking that their opinion on those things matter. Do you think that someone who's not black has a, a place to state an opinion that should be validated when it comes to the use of that word? This this is just one of those conversations that I just unfortunately think is never going to end, um, because I think that a lot of people like to boil this down into a simple well, if one person is allowed to say it, then everybody should be allowed to say it because it's not fair for a certain group of, you know, a certain set of rules to apply to only one specific group. Like, I, that, that people always bring that up. And I think that that is just such a... You're not, you're not taking into account the complexity of the argument. You're not talking about any of the nuance. You're not bringing into to, to, um, the history behind the word itself. You're, just, you're completely mm-hmm. choosing to ignore why it is a contentious subject, only to boil it down to, well, a simple, it's a, a simple logical choice of, well, if we're all doing it, then we, if one person doesn't, then we should all do it. And that's just not the case. Me, personally, I don't, I don't, use, I don't use the word. I don't use the word um, because I... I I've, I, there's a quote from Oprah that I really it really resonated with me the first time that I ever heard her say it. She said, I will never say that word because that was the last word that some of my ancestors heard before they were strung up by their necks from a tree. And once again, I understand that we are not in that time anymore, but something about just that energy behind that, about around that reason, just, it really strikes me because it's like that, that's how you remember that that word was not, it was, it it was used to degrade you. You were nothing but cattle back then. You were not, you were, so that's why it's so offensive mm-hmm. and why it brings up so much 
contention when you hear people that are white or that are just not black using that word because then you're like how are we are we really going to use toss this word around like that word didn't have all this horrible history behind it and why would you want to be associated like if you claim to be mm-hmm. somebody that's woke or somebody that's progressive why should you want to use it I, I don't and and I don't understand that. Especially, I mean, for yeah. black people, I think it's a different issue because if you are black, I often I often um, compare it to like the the, the a trauma victim. Like, I'm never going to tell someone how to rework their trauma or how to work through their demons and or mm-hmm. how to make something feel better for them. So, if black people choose to reclaim that word and use it in a way that is meant to be comical or meant to be uh, with love or to refer to their friends that way, fine. Let them do that. That, sh- that They should be allowed to do that. You shouldn't. The people that have started the word in a horrible way should not then be able to say, well, we're allowed to say it now because you're like, it doesn't make any sense, guys. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because it's intellectually lazy. Yes. yes that's what it is. Know. Like you're being intellectually lazy. You're saying if this is this way, then every like that's not how the world works. Right. The world works in a lot of shades of gradient. One, I colloquially use the word very rarely, but it comes out of my mouth every now and then, only around my black friends when I'm very, who I've known most of my life and I'm very comfortable and there's not a white person in earshot in the next 500 yards. That's my personal <laughs> um, rule of thumb. Or if, you know, if a song comes on, I for me, I um, am at the place of reclaiming it into my culture, but that is my culture. Mm-hmm. And you, as a person who does not identify with the African-American experience, unfortunately, you are not a part of my culture, despite the fact that you've tried to appropriate it at every turn. You're not, this is the piece that you're not getting. Um, and I think what's really interesting, it's funny, Chrissy Teigen tweeted just yesterday this like paragraph. She's like, I've never even thought of the word. It's never came out of my mouth. I never, she's like, it doesn't cross my mind. It's just N-word, it, like the full version of it. She's, she's, she reflected that just doesn't exist and it doesn't understand why it's that hard. And that is what I really don't understand. Like, why is this something that you need? Yeah. Why do you need access to this word? Yeah. Um, and why is it that you need to feel comfortable saying it? You need to be able to um, participate. I think, to be very frank, um, some people in our country have never experienced not being included in something. And mm-hmm. so to have this one thing that is exclusionary, then it becomes this like simplistic mindset of like, well, that's not fair, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody should be able to have it. Yes, and everybody should have had access to water fountains in the 1950s, <laughs> but they didn't, right? Like, right. like, like there is just a, um, I don't know. I just, I really find people's inability to understand that there are some things you cannot say intellectually lazy. I think of it the same way um, as the B word. Mm-hmm. Right. I sometimes will call my girlfriend. I'd be like, bitch, no, you didn't. Mm -hmm. And if any of you two men were with my friend and said, bitch, no, you didn't. I would probably pop Mm -hmm. you. Right. Like it's just like in group out group is not a foreign concept. Mm -hmm. Right. There are people that you can take a word. You can um, use it colloquially when you are a part of that in group and share a cultural identity. And there where it may not be available and accessible to people who are not a part of Mm -hmm. that. And I I have, you know. Go ahead, because I keep cutting you off, James. (laughs) (laughs) No, yesterday on Twitter, on my personal account, somebody that I met, I know in real life, they were quoting what Donald Trump said, and they were talking about the alleged tapes of him saying the N-word, but he actually tweeted the whole word. 
and this is a white man. And I was like, I was like, mm -hmm. sir, delete this immediately, first and foremost. And we need to have a real conversation mm -hmm. because if you don't understand why it's a problem for you to even have that on your Twitter as you saying it, then it's, it's mind blowing to me because this is 2018, especially in such a racially charged time. You should know, you know, that this is not something to really mm -hmm. play around with. So I don't think people really know how, well, I'm not gonna say I don't think they know. I think there's a lot of ignorance when it comes to that word and the ability to use it. And I think that we saw a lot of that with um, the Caitlyn and the JC situations because they both mm -hmm. use the word mm -hmm. in, in both in different ways. And people jump to their defense because of the context the word was used in. So does context matter when using the word? Or do you think the heat is warranted if somebody uses the word at all, if they're not a black person? Context to me doesn't matter, one. And first, let's talk about, the, Caitlin and JC are two different issues, so Completely I just want to honor different. that. Mm -hmm. yes. I first want to name, Caitlin knew she was wrong as soon as the word came out of her mouth. You saw it on her face, you saw how she tried to play it off. So the fact that people are trying to defend something that she, her body language signaled, whoop, shouldn't have probably said that. Mm -hmm. Why, why are you defending it? It's clear in her own body language, in her own reaction, that she knows that that's not allowed. It raises lots of questions about why she felt comfortable saying it in the first place and what does she do when, uh, when she doesn't know that cameras are watching. Um, but I just, I, have always, I just found that very interesting that people were like, well, it's okay, she was saying it in a song. And I'm like, but you saw her eyes, which are visible, mm -hmm. <laughs> fully bugged she out said, when Oops. she said it because she knew yeah, she knew what she had done was wrong, so why justify it? Like, I just, I don't understand um, the mental jumping jacks and flip-flops people are willing mm -hmm. to do to try to, to try to get access to this word. I really don't. <laughs> they I think be really in the trying. JC context, yeah, people, I really, I'm like, this, just stop, calm down, it's okay, just know. Um, with the JC context, what was, JC is problematic. Period. <laughs> period. Point blank. Full and stop. We can end the whole call right now. That is the objective truth. Mm -hmm. JC is a very problematic person and human being. And, you know, I, I, there's a lot that he needs, um, mainly therapy. <laughs> but with Ooh. JC, when he... When it's, I can understand, especially he's not from our, like he's not from America, but even though he's now been here for a while, he um, is trying to communicate something that is personal to him as another oppressed person and use the word. I could understand when he first said it and then what bothered me was the, when you were corrected and trying to justify. Mm -hmm. Yes, When somebody absolutely. tells you how they feel, listen. When somebody says, you can't say that, this is how I feel. I really didn't like that he um, couldn't receive that. And I also didn't like, especially when we find out later that he only did it because he was worried about how he was being portrayed in the diary room, basically convinced him to apologize and engage Absolutely. in that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, that was to me as a fellow oppressed person, that could have been a very positive learning mm -hmm. moment for you. Yes. But you just chose to be like, nope, this is the same. And let me just be really clear. The M word doesn't exist. Because if I went to somebody and said, don't say the M word, people would be like, what word are you talking about, Michelle? Don't say money. Don't say mayonnaise. <laughs> don't say, you know, mama. Yeah, exactly. Don't say Michelle. The N word, everybody knows what we're talking about. So you could have made the same point, JC, and used universal language to universal censorship. Um, but people very casually say, not whether right or wrong, 
say midget all the time, which is the first proof point that those two things are not equal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And whether that is, I, I think it is learning, like we should, I learned in that moment that midget is an offensive term. That's not something that I do not have little people in my life, so I do not understand the difference and distinctions in their vocabulary. That was helpful, but that was overshadowed by his inability to also have a learning moment. Right. Absolutely. You and I know there was a thing that I realized in, in the little person community, that word has been used by them on themselves. Just like, I know it was a long time ago, but, and it's on a ridiculous show, but Midget Mac on I Love New York, it was a part of his name and he was comfortable with it. So as a person growing up and seeing that, how was anyone supposed to know that it was something offensive when that's what he chose to call himself, you know? And right. it's, so, so it's always been yeah. a little, go ahead. I was gonna say that somebody, in, uh, an ignorant person could try to use that same argument for the N-word. Right? They could say, yeah. well, you call yourself the N-word. How am I supposed to know? And the point is, as soon as I tell you, now you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As soon as I've communicated and educated you, full stop. You are no longer ignorant. You have been educated and you are expected to act accordingly. But I, I mean, feel like people use the N-word to, to address each other, but it's, I've never seen it be someone's name like that they go by. You know? <laughs> True. So that's, yeah. that's what the difference is, in my opinion, in that situation. So it was hard because I felt mm -hmm. like, okay, immediately I know now that this is a problem and I'm not going to say the word anymore, but now I'm going back and thinking about why I felt that way and why I felt like the word right. wasn't that big of a deal to begin with. And I'm having to mm -hmm. reprocess it at the same time that people are trying to equate it to the N-word and to other offensive terms. And it's hard to deal with trying to be respectful mm -hmm. to everyone, but also trying to to explain how much weight is on one side and how the other one is, is starting to gain as much weight. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it's, it's not something that yeah. a lot of people deal with in their daily life, you know? And it's not it's mm -hmm. it's not as if people are trying to discredit what JC is saying. I mean, we all like like I mean, we I think we can yeah. all sit here and agree that as soon as he said because I I personally didn't know that the M word was offensive. I thought that that was something that they went by. I didn't know that, so I'm glad that he was on the show to inform us of that. But it's it's it is a learning curve, and it's something that we all have to work with together. And I'd much rather us. I'd much it's. It's so much better if JC and uh, Bailey were able to have a conversation that was respectful, where both ends were educating the other. But that just doesn't happen in real life. And I think that that's just a reminder as to how difficult these conversations can be. And it's not that people are being too PC. I hate when people say that, like, oh, and everything's too politically correct. Uh. No, it's just that people are finally, ha they finally have the footing and the access to mm -hmm. say, hey, we've been dealing with this for a very long time. This doesn't make us feel good. Mm -hmm. I really would appreciate it if you didn't say this or you didn't treat me this way or you didn't do that. That's all it is. And now we have now people have to be more mindful of the things that they say and how they act around certain groups of individuals. And that's that should be okay. Yeah. You know, like JC, you just have to you know what's what the hard. phrase? Um listen is just silence spelled in another way. Like in order for you to listen, you have to be silent. That means that you, there isn't any like, yeah, but there's no none of that. You just you take in what she said, you apply it, you respond with an apology, you say, I didn't realize, I, I'm, 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 I'm learning, I'm sorry about that, and then you go from there. That would have been such a beautiful conversation to see, but too much we get bogged down by the, oh, well, 
I, I've never been wrong before or like I didn't mean it that way so like you shouldn't be offended mm-hmm. and it's like well now you're now I'm even more offended because you're telling me what I shouldn't shouldn't be offended by instead of just letting me be offended yeah and I I was frankly infuriated by how CBS handled this yes I really thought um, well one as soon as I saw that they took the feeds away from us understanding oh. that conversation that was the immediate red flag I do not like seeing edited versions. I, that is why I have the live feeds. I want the truth. And anybody who is a live feed watcher knows that you do not get the truth on these episodes. Mm-hmm. Amen, so you sister. need to see it for yourself. That made me very concerned, one. Um, especially in a house where nothing is private, that type of conversation shouldn't have been blocked from the feeds. But I think what CBS in their um, special, you know, like I, I felt like this was just a poor man's back to, after school special. <laughs> Um, I feel like they created a a narrative that almost made Twitter and others engage in the oppression Olympics. Mm-hmm. Who is more oppressed than the right. other? Guess what? Both black people and people who identify as a little person have been oppressed in this country. Now, one has been systemically oppressed continually through racism, um, slavery, institutionalized racism that pervasive in our you know in every aspect of our lives. And I am not as educated on how the systemic oppression has existed for people who are, you know, not of normal stature. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that's a place where I'm ignorant. But I didn't like how it created this. Are you on the midget side or are you on the N-word right. side? The, I thought that that was not only irresponsible in the way that they crafted that narrative and how it was, how, how they chose to package and show it, um, or even the way that they showed it while not allowing us on the live feeds to process it first. I also thought that how that night on Twitter, I had to leave Twitter because it became so emotionally exhausting to try to justify my existence in this space. Yeah, and I I had a few exchanges on Twitter as well. And for the most part, they were relatively calm, but I did find myself getting a little frustrated because I got a lot of people in my mentions saying, you know, well, hey, like, it's not fair for you to assume that black people um, have more of a right to be offended. And I'm like, I never, I, I didn't, no one ever yeah. said that. Like, I, I wish that you could show me the tweet where I said that. It's, w- yes, people, like, there, there are multiple groups of people that have been oppressed. We don't need mm-hmm. to get into who was oppressed more, who suffered more. It, it's really not about that. Mm-hmm. The conver- the way that CBS could have really made this a a conversation of understanding and learning would be to say would it be to show two people having a disagreement with one another and then realizing where their faults were in the conversation. Now granted, they mm-hmm. really didn't have much to go on because of the fact that JC was mm-hmm. very non-committal in his apology and even later in weeks we can see that he told people in his alliance that he didn't even want to apologize to her, he just felt like he had to. So it's kind of hard I will give CBS a little bit of slack because it's like, well, you, they can't really edit it in a way where it's like, uh, like they both kind because they, JC really wasn't that, he wasn't really about being mm-hmm. wrong. So it was kind of hard on that point. But I just think it's really unfortunate that we now, it, we're not even talking about what the actual issue is. We're just talking about black people versus little yeah. people. And it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah, and, and why is it versus? How about we just stop oppressing yes. people? Right, and <laughs> they act like there first, aren't people. black little people, which is the thing to right. me. It's like, oh my god, it's like how are these two things? 
How are, exactly, intersectionality exists. I find in my own life when these types of conversations come up, which I'm very privileged, I work in an organization where we talk about issues of race, class, gender, sexual orientation consistently and in thoughtful and intentional ways. But my, my orientation and the learning journey I've been on is seek to understand, not to be understood. That like, to really mm. understand what the person across from you is saying first and yes. foremost. And for people on social media to understand that you can't do that in 140 or 280 yes. characters. Just full stop. It's not, I'm not going to be able to fully articulate what it's like to be me in this world and how triggering um, that conversation and how, how much I could empathize with Bailey having the responsibility of what feels like, I'm sure for her, the black community to not allow this to, like, to not allow this conversation um, to end where JC feels like he's in the right. I, I, can, I can understand that pressure for her and that's hard to articulate to somebody. And it's also hard to articulate when, you know, we don't know everybody's full identities when you're on social media. Whatever you choose to be your icon is how you choose to represent yourself. There have been multiple times where people have been exposed for claiming that they're a black woman, but then when you meet them in person, they're a white man because they need to um, acquire that identity to feel like they have access to speak on things that they truly don't know anything about. I just believe like, I wanna understand you as a full person and for me to do that, you need to stand fully in who you are and just acknowledge what you know is who you are. What you don't know is who I am and we need to like listen and understand each other mm -hmm. first and foremost. And, and that's that why I think the podcast platform is so important because voices are so much more powerful than, than uh, 280 characters or however much that is. I think the podcasting space is so important and that's why I wanted to have this conversation because it can get really muddled digging through tweets on Twitter and trying to find what you believe in and what's not right and who's wrong. And it's, it can get heavy. So, but hearing someone yeah. talk and hearing their tone and the richness of their voice and their sincerity, that can really change someone's heart and really help them understand uh, another perspective. And so I appreciate you guys for having this conversation today. Um, but in, in your own lives, how would you handle situations like the ones that we've talked about so far as the J if you were in Bailey's shoes how would you have handled the JC situation in a way that you think could have been more productive than what CBS actually allowed us to see you know I actually thought about that a lot um not only when you asked the question but like when it happened because there have been times and even recently like last week um at my job this non-black person use the n-word and i remember like right then and there that i was i froze and i was like mm -hmm. ooh, like and this is a, i'm at a new job and i mean i'm new i'm new there so i really didn't wanna i mean have to and which is which within itself is already kind of fucked up the fact that yes. i can't express how uncomfortable that made me without feeling like i'm at fault because i'm the new guy and don't want to make yeah. waves I was like, yeah. out of all the things, all the, out of all the criticisms that I had for Bailey in the moment about how she could have worded this, I'm like, damn, Amon, I don't know if you if you were in the house and that were you, I don't know if you would have handled it any better or any worse than she did because sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment and you you know, but the overall you know what's right and what's wrong and you know that people really shouldn't be using that word in your heart. You know that that's mm -hmm. that's that's the ultimate goal. But how you get there and how you get somebody to understand that that's where all of the all of the shit starts. You know, and so I, mm -hmm. I guess 
that was a long way to say I don't I don't know. I don't know how I would have I would I would hope that yeah. I would have been composed. I, I tend to think of myself as a composed person and when I lose my composure I usually try and use humor to hide my uh, my my insecurity about a situation. But I I I I honestly don't I don't know. I don't know. Especially when somebody is, is like and equally I, combative. I appreciate Yes. Yeah, that I appreciate you naming that because that's what I think it is so easy for us watching Bailey and JC in that situation and telling them shoulda, coulda, woulda. Here's what you should have done. Here's how I would have done it. Da, 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 da. When in reality, um, I'm not Bailey. Mm-hmm. I don't like you are. I'm not in the pressure cooker. First of all, of the Big Brother house, I need to both correct this person who is equally combative and not have them vote me out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. like, you know, like I need to walk right. this very fine line and. I, all of a sudden, because I'm on a, a platform where seven to eight million people are watching every week, what I say in this moment has so much weight to it. Right. I, like, there, it reminded me of um, a clip that was circ- recirculating around the time. I can't remember her name, who was in uh, Big Brother 8 with Evil Dick, Jamaica? and they had, like, a little oh, bit Jamaica. of the African-American woman. <laughs> yes, and they Come had on, the, James, a little bit of a know, moment. Come on, James, you know who it was. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> pulling, up the, pulling up those things. And she was saying... You know, I just feel this pressure for everything I do and everything I say and how much it represents every other black mm-hmm. person. And so I, I am privileged that I do not have that pressure on me every day. Mm-hmm. And I can sometimes in those moments collect myself, collect my thoughts, think about how I want to approach somebody. And at the end of the day, I don't have to see them the right. next morning. Right. I can go back about my life. And so I find it's like hard for us. I mean, well, I just find it arrogant of us to try to criticize how Bailey should have done it and what she should have said um, when we aren't in Especially her having. But I do feel very comfortable criticizing <laughs> CBS because they had time to think about how they were going to manipulate and craft that right, story. Let me, or not let me track, backtrack on that though. I was extremely pissed off that they blocked the feeds from us because they rarely do that, especially for conversations like that. So it just felt really sneaky and I didn't realize that they were doing it for that reason until I actually watched the episode. Because I didn't realize all those other conversations even happened. And so I was like, I cannot believe they, they crafted something and stopped us from watching it. So they had control of the narrative and they got it wrong. So it was just like, all, yeah. like they need to hire, it's, it's not hard, hard to hire somebody who knows how to handle situations. You know what I mean? Like people can make, I mean, they tried, but it's just like they they dropped the ball when it could have been done in a really helpful way, in a a way that was, you know, I think they thought they were being helpful. If I, I really think that they probably thought that what they did was the right thing and that they were being helpful and they were going to push the conversation right. because CBS has been continually characterized as not handling these situations well and continually having, you know, you know, diversity, inclusion and equity issues. I think that they probably thought that that was the right thing to do and it wasn't. And, also, 
and what I what I felt was manipulated and exploited as a black person. Mm -hmm. I felt like they took this away and like, listen, look, we're going to show you on a special episode on Sunday that we actually care about cultural yeah. issues. I'm like, no, that's not how you show me that you really care about these yeah. issues. Like it was like it was more of like a, a it was more of like a statement. You know what I mean? Like when when Julie was like, mm -hmm. and I know it's not Julie. I mean Julie doesn't write this crap. Somebody writes it for her. But like it was like, <laughs> oh, we're 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 getting ready to talk about race. We're we're, we're gonna do it. Like it was um, versus like Tune in yeah. Like and I'm like I, I don't and I'm it's really weird because you you bring up Jamika and I'm like I felt like them just showing her talking about how much pressure she's under and how she feels so isolated and it, it, and it was from the jump too like I remember like in her intro package she was talking about or not in her intro package but when she got into the house and she was talking about like I'm I've never been around so many white people before. I was like, this is real. This is honest. This is how you, mm -hmm. for a show like Big Brother, where you were supposed to be flies on the wall and we're supposed to watch a social experiment, that's how we should be seeing this. We shouldn't be seeing these edited versions of the conversation. We should be seeing it as it pans out. If you feel like there's too much in the conversation that it will not fit into an hour time slot, then just don't show it at all because it's better for you <laughs> to... Uh, it's better for you to just not show it than to just give us this really weird, skewed editing mm -hmm. of it. It's, it's it's and I I had to stop myself too because I was buying into what they were showing and I had to realize that there's probably a lot that we didn't see and they can chop it any way they wanted to and everybody watching it was coming up with these defined feelings based on what CBS showed us but I can't really say any of those things are true or false because of the way it's edited. You know, we don't know what else yeah. happened like or how a conversation took place. As a live feeder, I felt like I lost some rights. Let me be a fly right. on the wall. Let me be right. a fly. Like, can you, I, pay, I pay what? Five ninety nine to be a Give fly? Give me my wings. <laughs> Give me my eyes. <laughs> Trying to see. It's, it's crazy. It's so weird to me. I don't know if two of you watch Survivor or if any of the listeners, I'm sure some of the listeners watch Survivor. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. It's so weird to yeah, me just how, like, you guys are part of the same network and Survivor will handle situations like these so I will never forget the the tribal council. I don't know if you guys have saw, seen the season, but it was with uh, what is his name? The crazy black guy that's always in his underwear. What is his name? Oh God, I forget. But um, he was um, he uh, had a situation where uh, oh he did freeze. Huh? Oh, you're back. I'm back. You, you froze, were frozen. The crazy black guy. Uh, um, I'm talking about the crazy. <laughs> the one who was always in his underwear. Yes. What is his name? Um, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, his name is Philip. Yes, Philip Shepard. Yes, yes. Um, he <laughs> had this situation where um, a white man of like a similar age group to him. So these were both older people. So they, you know, they kind of know they were alive for a lot of the bullshit that happened back then. Um, he he referred to him as like the white man referred to the black man as like uh, oh being a good boy or doing doing something like saying something demeaning like that and. Um, that just sparked so much outrage with this man. And Jeff, during the tribal council, was able to dissect this conversation and this confrontation with so much finesse that you were able to see the points of views of both sides without either side being invalidated. The conversation sort of ended not so much with a who's right and who's wrong. We're just giving you what was said. Now it's time to, like, you can have this conversation at home with people uh, around you and I was like that's mm -hmm. how you do this this is how you show nuance this is how you show how it's it's not necessarily black and white it's just one person's experience over the another person's experience and how we have to still cohabitate 
together. And I just, I don't know why Big Brother can't yeah. do that. I don't understand. I think it's also interesting if you think about the dynamic, the role that the host play in each situation. In Big Brother, they're completely isolated, right? Any interaction that they have with anybody is just via audio. It's not even face to face, and it, and it's done in a very, you know, objective interactions with any audio in general. And so, it, it makes me wonder if the format of Survivor and the format of Jeff as the host allows for him to actually like facilitate conversation or like put a fine point on reflection because he's not as so like Julie is just so remote from everything Mm -hmm. that's going on and such an observer I actually think she feels more remote now than she did in previous um yeah she spent a lot more time probably for obvious reasons I felt like she was like more aware of what was going on more engaged in in her even debriefs and conversations afterwards so i I wonder the role that that all plays and that's that's very true i mean it and that's that's (laughs) that's um that's that's a very valid point because i mean if a survivor is packaged you know it all gets filmed and then they have the time to really you know jeff can come back in later on after knowing what happened he can sort of facilitate a conversation and I'm not even, I mean, no shade to Julie. I love Julie Chen, but I'm not even sure if she's even the right person to even facilitate a conversation like that. Jeff seemed a little bit more equipped. Hello, I think we need to fly in Arissa as a specialist <laughs> to handle this. Yes. <laughs> as someone yes, who, ma'am. who's in the yes, know. So. Yes. So when it comes to slurs and other um, offensive terms being used in the house, uh, Twitter is convinced that people don't keep the same energy. And I wondered what your thoughts were on that. More specifically, how Bailey was using the word "packy," and she made mm-hmm. a bunch of comments about Fessy finding a virgin wife. Um, yeah. How did that? How do you feel about that? Especially on the flip side of her being offended by something someone else said. I think um, Bailey can have ignorance. I am ignorant about things. Like I don't. I don't. Um, I don't understand why it would be hard to understand that. Bailey, maybe maybe she hasn't interacted with a lot of people from Fessy's background, and she can make ignorant comments. Like I don't understand why that is a stretch of the imagination. I think when uh, people say, one, let me full transparency. I am oddly a fan of Fessy. I don't know why. There's something very Howie, big doofus about him <laughs> that I just am like, oh, well, Howie was a little more perverted than Fessy, but I'm just like, oh, poor Fess. He just really doesn't know what's going on. Um, but I do think and. Sorry, the other reason I think I have a sweet spot for Seth Fessy is because Kaiser was one of my favorites of all time. If he walked me in here right now and proposed to me, <laughs> it would be over. Let me be Bye, Michelle. Ooh, sorry, I'm over here. <laughs> Kaiser was a Let whole man. fan, y'all. Michelle, but, um, Michelle was having so a I think, moment. <laughs> I know, but very seriously. Um, Bluff but I queen, think, come on. Um, I think I empathize with that. I think the... Let's be very honest, the Muslim American experience in America, one even from between when um, Kaiser was on the show to now, even our own way in which we understand and make sense of it in our community has radically changed, and I would argue for the worse um, in that time. And it's, Bailey can be ignorant, and people who potentially didn't come at her with the same energy might also mm-hmm. be ignorant. If, 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 they're, if they're giving her a pass, they are probably also ignorant and need to be educated that that's not okay to say. It's not okay to imply, which I see a disgusting amount, to imply that um, anything about his religion and how that connects to like his actions in the house. So 
I think I, I personally criticized Bailey to the same extent. I thought it was wrong. It, it really personally bothered me. Um, and I think I can also objectively say Bailey can be both from an oppressed group and not, uh, not fully understand another right. oppressed group. And uh, another side to that, because, uh, because of the fact that you can be ignorant, even being an oppressed person, sometimes, even though I knew in the moment when she said things like that, I knew that she was wrong and I did call her out on it on Twitter, I also don't want to be the person that is, you know, going down the list as to why everything she said was wrong because I'm not necessarily the best person to. to I'm black. I'm not Muslim. I'm not exactly. brown. So I'm not. Exactly. I'm not about to sit here and give you the laundry list as to how that was all offensive, because frankly, I don't even know. I just know. I I know what's on the surface level what's good to say <laughs> and what's not good to say. Now, why specific <laughs> reasons as to why it's not good to say? You can go ahead and ask someone Muslims or someone brown so ask them that I'm sure they will give you all the information that you need but don't expect me to sit here and I, I can only I can only give you what I know that's all I can do um, and we, we take it from there but just as long as we're all and the fact that I mean for the simple reason that I think that the oppression of African Americans in this country is widespread widely known talked about at nauseum happens every day will never stop happening and I think that it's just something that's a little bit more, people are more vocal about it because it's people are more, more educated as a whole about it. Whether or not they want to use education for good, that's up to them. But mm-hmm. I think that we still and have a lot to learn about other disenfranchised peoples in this country that aren't black. And Absolutely. I find that a lot of the people trying to point that are also people who are not, who present to me from my eyes as not a part of a press group. Most of the people that I see, oftentimes my mentions, um, trying to get harsher criticism of Bailey are white men. And I'm like, stop trying to pit us against mm-hmm. each other. I can both think that Bailey was wrong in that situation. I can think that JC was wrong in that situation. I can think that Fessy is wrong in about a different situation. Why, like, what is, why do you have a desire, um, because that's what I, to show minorities not having each other's back, minorities being in the wrong, like what do you gain it's- from that? Why do you need that validation so much? You need to unpack why you are... Cha- like Because if I'm really clear and I scroll down your timeline, before Bailey ever said that, you said some really messed up stuff about Fessy mm-hmm. and his religion. Point blank And period. I hate to sound like it's, you know, like, like it's a big conspiracy, but it's just like this insidious... It's just like this insidious nature where it's like, I feel like a lot of... A lot of... And I'm not, I'm, I don't mean all white people. Let me just say that one more time. I don't mean all white people, but some mm-hmm. white people just seem to be at this game where it's like, well, if you're going to be offended about that, then you have to be offended about that, and she has to be offended about that, and then we're all offended, which means if everybody's offended, then nobody's offended, which means that we can say whatever we want. No, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. <laughs> that's just not how it works. Yeah. I didn't realize what Bailey was saying was bad. I didn't personally know. I am ignorant when it comes to those oppressions. Um, and Fessy had been saying Packy Girl in the house, and I think Bailey from my perspective, thought it was okay because he had been saying it. And so it was confusing to me because I didn't know what was right and what was wrong because of him using it so freely. But at the same time, just like Swaggy saying the N-word, that doesn't mean that it's okay. But in America, this is not something that I have come in contact with as I've grown up here. So it's hard for me to really understand the the, uh, immensity of a situation when we don't have... The experience, yeah. you know. I mean, my if you my main issue with Bailey is it wasn't even so much that it was more the fact whatever the comment she mm-hmm. made about like well if you want like a 
get a virgin from go back oh, to Pakistan. Now that, that was that was different. That's the part that was actually problematic, and that's the part where, to me, you are taking a uh, assumption and generalization based on his religion to to just like using that in a way that was not not ever a signal mm-hmm. to be positive yeah, or to it was be like using it in yeah. a harmful way in a judgmental yeah. way yeah so do better girl do better <laughs> yes we all have a lot and to learn and can i just say also for the record for all the people who are very um racist against Bessie online he's also half white Right. And I think we forget that. He even reminds people in the house when um, they were having the conversation about Fessy. Uh, Haley, would Fessy, would your parents be okay with Fessy? And he's like, why? I'm part white. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, he's like, I don't understand. what. The, like, he was joking, like, what's the issue? I'm, I'm white, too. Um, and I think that's also, that's also just, like, problematic to not understand his full mm-hmm. identity. Like, yes, he is Muslim. Yes, his um, father's from Pakistan. And yes, his mother is white with, mm-hmm. like, blonde hair. I mean, which is... Yes. Explains a lot as to why he's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, yes, it sure does. <laughs> so Twitter, <laughs> Twitter is full of microaggressions, and so is the Big Brother house. So why do you think they are so common? And can you explain what a microaggression actually is? Ah, oh, a microaggression. How? how I can. Yeah, please do that. I'm not sure I can put that in the words. Um, the first, let's break it down to its like roots let's break English it down. class. <laughs> um, let's first start with like the word and aggression, right? To do something wrong to somebody mm-hmm. else. Now that is pretty clear. I can it can be pretty obvious when I aggress you. I can say you're ugly, right? <laughs> okay, like you've done an aggression towards me. The more important part of the word is micro, because there's a subtlety that's there. There's a, it's not easily seen to the plain eye. It's often not heard by every ear. Um, we, in a, like American politics, you call it like dog whistle moments that really like only the attuned ear can catch something micro. And a microaggression that I experience all the time is um, you walk up to somebody and they say, where are you from? And I say, Texas. And they say, where are you really from? Mm-hmm. Texas, like, what did the really from mean? Because what you're saying is you are looking at me and saying that Texas is insufficient. You must be from somewhere else. You must be a Mm -hmm. foreigner, right? Like, that is a microaggression. Um, There's there's just a whole host of them in small ways. Um, Another one that I appreciate, this is why I really, I know they're going to lose the game, but I do really appreciate members of the Hive because when Haley elevated to Rockstar, a comment that deeply bothered her from Angela. When Angela was putting um, Bailey on the block and said she needed to hide her clothes because she was worried that Bailey was going to destroy them all. Now, this is not the first person we done blindsided in this house. It is not the first person who has been treated, well, she was treated differently than how other people were being treated as they were getting evicted. But when Haley goes to Rockstar, they have this moment eye to eye, and she's like, that's not right what she's implying. Mm -hmm. And, and Rockstar says, I'm glad you're saying it because I've been wanting to say these things I'm noticing, but I haven't felt, I didn't want to, I didn't feel like I could mm-hmm. name them. And they start, they start talking about Bailey being black and that implication in the house. So one, it's, it's both of them, I don't know what they've experienced personally, but both of them have tuned their ears and their eyes to see like that comment um, is more than what appears on the surface. On the surface, it's just, oh no, Bailey could do something bad to me. 
deeper than that is, Bailey is a black woman, and because Bailey is a black woman, despite how sweet she has been to Tyler and Angela to their faces, she's never was mean to Tyler or Angela ever. She was rude to a lot of people, never Tyler or Angela. They never seen her be rude. But their immediate assumption is that she would get to extreme anger and to violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a microaggression. That small statement underneath the surface is so much... Um, frankly racism that's packed under there but it takes actually trained ears and eyes to pick up and if up any it. of that beautifully executed explanation with examples and MLA cite, uh, citations did not make sense to any of you I will read the actual uh, definition a microaggression is a term used for brief and commonplace daily verbal behavioral or environmental indignities whether intentional or unintentional that communicate hostile, Hello? derogatory, <laughs> or negative racial slights and insults toward any marginalized group. So it doesn't really matter what your intent is. The fact that it still came mm-hmm. out of your mouth does not mean that it, 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 it's still microaggression. And I, I think that there, I don't think, yep. I mean, you, you asked James, why, why are they so commonplace in the house? I mean, because they're commonplace in, in life. You know, they, it, it happens every day. Um, even to the point where I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said some 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 questionable shit. I've my yeah, that like mm-hmm. absolutely. So I mean, it, like it, even um, I think one of the most common things for me is with is with women. And a lot of time I catch myself with it because I'm like, okay. I mean, I have a, I have a friend of mine that's very very vocal. She'll probably listen to this podcast later, but she's very very vocal about um, being being a woman and be, uh, being a part of the feminist movement and all of the, the, the slights that women have to face in society. And one of the things that I always um, assume that, uh, I, especially in the game of Big Brother, I always assume, like, oh, well, she's only doing this because she likes this guy or because she wants the D or this, that, and the third. And it's like, I'm on... Uh, these... I mean, women have their own autonomy as well. They're also able to, you know, make decisions based off of or not based off of how you know, how attracted they are to some, some person. Because, I mean, men do it all the time. So why do you feel as though mm-hmm. women aren't able to do the same thing? You know, I mean, and we saw that with Sam. We saw Sam saying, like, that these women are treating the men like garbage. And, like, and it's like, no, they're not. They're just acting like anybody else would act in the house of Big mm. Brother and trying to win the game. So microaggressions are they're everywhere. And you just have to, you have to catch yourself. If, odds are, if, you, if there's something that you're <laughs> saying that you have to take a moment to be like, ooh, was that... Yes, it probably was a microaggression. And odds are that you probably said a microaggression that you couldn't catch yourself yes. on. Right. They happen every day. They are subtle. They are micro. Sometimes it bothers me when people are like, I didn't understand. I don't understand. I don't see it. I'm like, yeah, because it's micro. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, that's the key there word. You go. It's not a macroaggression. I'm not talking about somebody, you know, putting a KKK hood on their head. That's, a, that's an yeah. aggression, period. I'm talking <laughs> about small subtle they're tiny and the thing is when you are an oppressed person and you experience them continually they are like dying from a thousand paper cuts Mm -hmm. a paper cut might be small but that mother Mm -hmm. freaker hurts and enough of those Mm -hmm. will kill you yes i don't know if that last part's actually true but i think that's what they say (laughs) i mean i'm sure (laughs) so when people use the words ratchet or ghetto or hood to describe a black person, would you consider those microaggressions? And why do you think people resort to using those words? And how should we deal with it when people do use those? I words? think at this point, In a I think at this way. point, like ratchet and ghetto, like I think it's like a step above microaggression because I feel like people have to be educated enough to this point to know that, like, 
I mean, maybe not. Maybe maybe they just don't know. But like, I I just feel like I mean, in, in the context of what uh, Angela said about her skin being looking ghetto, I'm like, oh lord. I'm like, I don't understand how you thought. I, when you're when the when the when the person that Rachel just compared herself to was Bailey, and then you use the word ghetto after that, I don't understand how you thought that that was going to be okay. How can your skin be ghetto? And then the people that were all up in my mention saying, "Oh well, she meant like they like they like sent me pictures of like um, white people with." really really bad tans that look like fucking cheetos like she's talking about this like people are is that ghetto and skin? i'm like okay i don't understand how like, that, that makes cannot it be described any... as ghetto that doesn't justify it it's called yes. a bad tan so why like why does that make it any better why are you using the word ghetto or ratchet to describe something that is bad like I just... <laughs> can you guys i don't know if this happened did anybody ever refer to bailey as ghetto or ratchet in the house no i don't ratchet for sure so, Somebody so, had somebody me, said uh I don't I, I don't have ex- You don't know who I mean, don't, it's okay. After, I don't want yeah, you I don't to wanna, say somebody is not yeah, me. Yeah, right. I don't wanna yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but here's but my after thing. The, after because her, I just wanna let the record oh, show ahead. if anybody on Twitter in the house ever called Bailey ghetto hood or ratchet, they do not understand the definitions of the word because she is so far it is yeah. laughable yeah. to assume <laughs> that she is ghetto yeah. hood or ratchet. <laughs> Lord, I'm like she has an attitude. She is sassy. She is opinionated, and you know she can get a little stink sometimes with people if she doesn't like how she's being treated. But ghetto hood and ratchet should never be described to talk about Miss Bailey Dayton, Miss Missouri. <laughs> that is not her personality. And if I ever heard that, I'd probably lose my mind at like how off that term is to even try to apply in mm-hmm. her situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just like it's just another example of how like they like to you know paint just with a broad, broad stroke. It's like I mean, if you if you looked a certain way, then that means that like whenever whenever and I you know and I have an interesting conversation um, with some of my friends that also enjoy Big Brother all the time. That because and I'll be interested to see your perspective, the both of you on this, because I tend to be someone that is very celebratory of anybody. Um, that is African American that gets on the show, even if they don't necessarily do well, yes. even if they um, are behaving in a way that I think can be perceived negatively. I'm always like, I'm not about to sit here. I'm rooting for yeah, everybody. Exactly. Black. I'm not about to sit here and say uh, this person is uh, not giving us honor or they're not representing us the way that they should. Because once again, as we've said before countless times, we're all different. All black people are not the same. And mm-hmm. second of all, like if someone if like if like if a if a if a Tiffany Pollard were in the house and that's how she is that's how she acts that is Tiffany how that's am i supposed is. to sit here and be like oh she can't act that way because no you're not like you're not you're you're further you're 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 furthering the narrative that black people have to behave a certain way or else it, they're trash you know what i mean i'm like that's I just don't think that that's, mm-hmm. that that's not fair to anybody because that means that we if we don't walk we ha- that means that we have to walk in there single file and act like uh, act like a fucking Derek in order to win this mm-hmm. game and that's not that's, that's not plausible it's just not that's, that's not, not who she is. is and it's it's unfair it's like uh, black people are policed and I don't mean the ways in which we are literally policed in the streets but we, our bodies are policed mm-hmm. our personalities are policed everything is dictated and mandated and we have to like operate a certain way to be considered acceptable. 
and it's mm -hmm. infuriating. And I root for everybody black because I know when they walk in that door, the uphill battle that they have to climb mm -hmm. that is like no other. Truly like no other. And, and I know there are a lot of um, different oppressed groups, different minorities, but I very sincerely mean that the uphill battle that a black mm -hmm. person has to climb in the Big Brother house is truly mm -hmm. like no other. Because, I mean, you're facing judgment from all ends. You're facing judgment from your white counterparts. You're facing judgment for the black people mm -hmm. that are rooting for you and or not rooting for you, trying to deal with the pressure of not wanting to be the angry black person, but also not being the, blank, the black person that just lets anybody say whatever they want to say. Like, that's just, like... A white mm -hmm. person just doesn't have to go in the house and think like that. They just, they don't. And I think the reason why people yeah. are so, they take a, uh, such a, a huge liking to people like Rockstar and Haley is because Haley knows, Rockstar knows exactly what she's talking about. Like, I loved the fact that after, and I'm sure we'll get to this, I love the fact that after Bailey had that big blow up with Tyler, no matter how right or wrong she was about the conversation that took place with her and Tyler, the fact that Haley said to her after that, like, if anybody tells you that that was too much, if anybody says that you did a lot, like, no, that was completely justified. You have every right to feel the way that you feel. And I'm like, yes, yes. Just, yes. like, accept mm -hmm. it for what Amen. it is. Thank because you. if it were anybody else that had a big blow up like that, it would have been, like, that would have been it. There wouldn't have been a question of, like, oh, my goodness, that was scary. Or I can't believe, like, no, that would have been it. There wouldn't have been, like, ugh. And mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Haley did that in that moment. I am too, and you know, I think it's something that we we should talk about. Um, just when we experience white house guests like Haley and like um, Rockstar, I feel like they have brought a different energy to to their roles than we usually mm -hmm. see. And I, I think we should kind of unpack that a little bit, and especially Rockstar because she's taken a lot of flack for her black scent and her comments about. I hate white people and all those things, but they come, they, all of these things come from a good place inside of her spirit, but people take them in such a negative mm -hmm. way. So I think it's, it's something that we need to talk about. So how do y'all feel about both of them? We can start with Haley. First, okay. Um, well, Haley, let me trust Texas A&M again, because we've been through it. We've been through the ringer. We've been through it. And literally... I, I'm a Texan. I, I'm, I'm very much identified with being from Texas. I love the state, but Lord, these people they find from my home state and put on this show have been atrocious and disgusting and repulsive and embarrassing. And it makes me think Texas should secede. I'm like, maybe y'all should leave because it's not working. And Haley has so beautifully debunked the Texas A&M stereotype. She immediately, her favorite person when she first walks into the house is Swaggy. And she's like, that is my person. She is, I mean, it's so interesting. And I, ever since BBOTT, my eyes are more attuned to how you see the, um, the beiger side of the, the house <laughs> and the more multicultural um, side of the house. And to see Haley very deeply ingrained and identified and socializing with the side of the house that I wouldn't have naturally placed mm -hmm. her with um, is transparently mm -hmm. refreshing. Beyond and refreshing. I, That's a great word. Yeah, it's refreshing. I feel like it, it, it pushed me to not assume, because what I did in that moment is I assume when I hear Haley mm -hmm. who she's going to be. I'm assuming, oh, Lord, we're going to get mm -hmm. an Aaron, you know, or yes. we're going to get, I thought at best we'd get a Nicole who says some things that I'm like, Nicole, girl, <laughs> don't say that. Right? Like, I thought that, that that would be the best case scenario what we'd walk away with, and she has just... She has pushed me to not judge mm -hmm. her by her cover and her background because she um, 
sees and understands people in a way that, well, she doesn't understand the game right now, <laughs> but she understands the humans in the house that she lives with in a way that has been really mm -hmm. nice. Um, now, what I, and even, we, you didn't name there Sam. Sam is problematic too, but Sam even, really, this whole Bailey thing, she was very explicit in her tears. I am crying because Bailey is the only black person, we don't know what it's like to be her in this house, and I want her to win. And unlike Angela, which I think was the most effed up thing this season, to tell Bailey you wanted her to win as a black person, and then knowing you're going to backdoor her, I actually find that to be the most offensive thing she did. But for Sam to be like, I actually really did want her to win because it's not fair that that never can mm -hmm. happen. So Haley, I, I, I appreciate her. Rockstar, I love Rockstar. And I, what I don't like is when people say the word black scent, mm -hmm. right? Or white scent, right? Like, one, if you're not from Beemore, you don't know how people in Beemore talk. I'm actually, I used to live in D.C. I know a lot of people from Baltimore. And Rockstar does not talk so abnormal from a large number of uh, white people who grew up in the lower mm -hmm. middle class aspect of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. her, her way that she talks feels like it represents the types of stories I hear her saying about her mm -hmm. own world experience. I do not, saying black sense is acting like she is trying to be something mm -hmm. that she is not. And the one thing we should all know about Rockstar is that she mm -hmm. is fully herself at all yeah. times and mm -hmm. she does not give an F. And so I think it's, it's offensive to assume that a little bit of twang and certain words and how she talks, um, should be identified with just one racial mm -hmm. identity because then, like, is everybody upset that Bailey then has mm -hmm. a white scent? Then yeah, exactly. Like, right? like right. It, they, they talk another... how they talk. Why? Like, why is why is why is properness associated with whiteness? That's actually what's oh the real God. problem there. And so, because Rockstar does not talk proper always, then she must be talking ghetto or black. I'm like, you're being offensive to yourself. But Rockstar never says that she tries to be black. She's never said that. She understands, she empathizes, and she views herself as a very serious ally. She takes her allyship seriously. So I do not believe anything that she does is offensive. I wish this is... Well, not anything. I think there's some things she does that are wrong, but I don't think in that, the mm -hmm. way she talks is offensive. I wish that this was our video podcast just so that the audience could see just how many times I was nodding my head throughout that, but I... Uh, <laughs> right, me too. I, um, yeah. Yeah, like I, I actually had a little a story. I was with I have a friend of mine. I was we were at a um, at a bar. We both worked at a restaurant sometime last year. And one of our coworkers, he he's a white guy and he's from Philly and he's he has lived um, and went to school with a, primarily a lot of African Americans. And so that has colored the way that he sees the world. That has colored the way that he that he talks. That has colored the slang that he has used. And a friend of mine, he's white as well, but he's from Lancaster, East Bumblefuck Nowhere, so that has also colored the way that he views the world. Um, he, he made this offhand comment um, to the Philadelphian white boy <laughs> and said, uh, yeah, like, oh, like, you, like, you're sitting here trying to uh, sound so cool. Like, you look so cool right now because, oh, I'm Robin. I'm oh, I just said his name. Oh, he doesn't listen to this, whatever. Um, <laughs> I can delete I'm, it. I'm so cool, and I'm like, I was like, Cor like that's that's... That that's not okay because if this is his experience, this is who he is. Like it's not fair of you to say that it's that he like you're othering him. You're saying that because he doesn't act like a, a stereotypical white person, then that means that he is that there's something to make fun of. That is something to 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 tease someone about in a in a malicious way. Because mm -hmm. I, it's one thing to to take racial stereotypes and make light comedy out of them. I think that, I think we can all agree that there's nothing wrong with that. Like we we've all made, you know, stupid racial jokes. Mm -hmm. But it's it's another thing to to really come for somebody's identity and the way that they honestly and truly live their lives and they're not putting on this front like 
That if that's who they are, then yeah. that's who they are. And you should not try and rob them of that because it's not what you expect. So. Yep. I will say there was a moment where Rachel was retelling something Bailey said. And I watched Rachel and Bailey's conversation and I watched Rachel retell it. And Rachel, I thought, did what is the wrong thing to do. Her neck was moving and her hands were snapping in a way that mm -hmm. Bailey doesn't talk. And she was like, and then I went to Bailey, and Bailey was like, uh-uh, you're not going to da-da-da-da-da. And her hand and her neck, and I said, now that is the mm -hmm. inappropriate thing. That is the microaggression, because in this moment, you've attributed um, behaviors that you widely put onto the uh, black female way of expressing mm -hmm. ourselves in a way that Bailey didn't talk to you that way. That's not how, Bailey was very annoyed with you, but in her legs crossed, hands in her lap mm -hmm. way of talking, was like, Rachel, this is not what we're going to do. And when Rachel went to retell uh, it, I was really like, that's mm -hmm. the inappropriate thing. Focus on like that neck swivel, that Z snap in the air that didn't exist when mm -hmm. Bailey spoke. That is actually using it in a malicious way, mm -hmm. not what Rockstar does or how Rockstar not, it's is. Not, then it's not even about what she said anymore. It's about how, yeah. You're not mocking. You're, it's, you're, you're, just, you're not even, yeah, you're, you're just making a characterization of somebody and instead of actually being honest um, about what was said and, and, and how that made you feel versus, you know, how much you just want to, you know, discredit whatever, whatever, whatever Bailey was feeling in that moment during that conversation, you're discrediting it by every single neck swivel, every single Z formation, snap, all that bullshit. Like, ain't nobody yeah. got time for that. Like, come on now. No, not at all. So Rockstar has been very vocal about her distaste for, for white privilege. And she's mm -hmm. been very vocal about how she feels about how white people in America are. So how do, how should a white people feel about that? Well, maybe that's a bad way to say it. I'm not gonna tell <laughs> white people how they should feel about it. Yeah. But how, how do you think it should be received um, from the way that rock stars in, intending it to be received? Because I don't think it comes from a negative, yeah. a, a bad place, but people hear no. those words and immediately feel like it's a negative mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, I think people first, I feel like we're doing like a, a uh, American vocabulary yeah. 101, right? White privilege is not synonymous with the word privilege. It's um, interesting that I see there's one guy, I can think of his icon right now, and he posts over and over again that Bailey went to this very affluent private school and why doesn't Rockstar attack her? Because Bra ba Rockstar's not talking about privilege, period. She's talking mm -hmm. about white privilege. And white privilege is that because of the color of your skin, you are able to exist in the world um, either not having to worry about things that people do, who don't have that racial identity have to worry about consistently or getting different. I, I think it's actually mainly on like not having to worry. That is an advantage in itself. It's not like people are handing you out like, well, in America, we have handed out white people things that other people didn't get. But white privilege is specifically that there is something that you were able to get received because of your mm -hmm. racial identity or that um, it, your racial identity made it easier for you in many ways she's not talking about just objective privilege. She always says, well, she does say privileged folks, but she primarily in this moment is talking about white privilege. And I think that's okay. I think I'm never gonna tell a white person how to feel because they're not allowed to tell me how to feel. Process right. that in the way that you need to process it. Make sense of it in the way that you need to make sense of it. If you don't like that Rockstar says that, that is fine. Don't call her racist though, because mm -hmm. that's wrong and it's not accurate. It's not that she's being racist. She has an issue with a certain benefit that people receive that she cannot identify with. And what the Big Brother house does so painfully is illuminate to people their mm -hmm. difference. And Rockstar is in a space where she feels very different. 
and even and not just different from you know the diversity but like from the white people she can't identify she can't connect with them and it's they have been given access and opportunities because of their whiteness and that's what mm -hmm. she ascribes to it I, I i think she said it all there <laughs> she sure did <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Bailey and Swaggy in general this season. First, let's start on something positive. How did you guys feel seeing um, them, A, become a showman's, and Swaggy going to Bailey's parents' house and seeing that whole interaction on the show? Uh, our first black showman's. I know. <laughs> so, like, I was surprised that they became a showman's. I was surprised I, by it. I, was, I wasn't. I acknowledge that the two of them are very different people. Um, I was able to see yeah. that a mile away, but I wasn't that shocked that it happened because I just feel like from the moment that we like from the moment that we saw the the premiere episode and that Bailey took a special interest yeah. in making sure that Swaggy didn't you know pop off. I was like, okay, you guys are going to be in this together, and that's that might turn into yeah. especially after Bailey and her in her um interviews talking about how like how she just doesn't know how to handle boys. I was like, okay, so this might be it. I can see what might happen here. Um so I wasn't I wasn't mm -hmm. that shocked. I'm I think that it, at first I was very apprehensive because 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 once again, I mean it's I mean you already have to worry about worrying about one black person in the house is bad enough. Worrying about the two of them <laughs> stress. <laughs> <laughs> and with Swaggy's personality, yes. I was like, Lord, boy, oh you're going to kill me. God, I'm going to defend you every fucking day on Twitter. Um, <laughs> um, and then the fact that they're in a showman's, so I was like, okay, this is, this, is, this is going to be very, very testing and trying. And I think part of the fact that I'm able to now find it so endearing, even though Swaggy is a big-ass cornball, mm -hmm. we still love him. I think, I think part of the reason that I'm mm -hmm. able to find it so endearing is the fact that Swaggy regretfully was the second person to go so I feel like we didn't he was cut <laughs> off you know what I mean it's kind of like the Dave, Vaughn, the Dave Vaughn factor where it was like she came in we loved her from the, from the jump and then she got cut off and it was like that she kind of was like frozen in this in this uh, in, yeah frozen in time as this oh my goodness she was so great um, but that's only because we didn't really get to spend a lot of time with her and notice all the other flaws that she has um, game wise um, so yeah yeah, I'm. I'm. I think that it's very sweet. I'm. I'm so happy that he was able to meet her family. I'm glad that they took a liking to him. I'm so like. I, I find it so sweet that they like kept him there for. I think he tweeted that he was there for like six days or something. Oh. I'm like, that's yeah. that's so kind of them to open up their home to him for that extended period of time. And the fact that his sisters are on Twitter dancing with him, and I love the fact that Bailey was so mm -hmm. in tune with her family. And when Julie said. I, that he had uh, met his that he met her family and the first thing that she said was like oh they're gonna love him I know they're gonna love him and they did and I was like this is that's real right yeah. there and I'm glad that we can in the age of everything is love and Beyonce and Jay-Z <laughs> I'm so happy that we got to see something like this pan out on this season of Big Brother yeah and it's Absolutely. our first time ever seeing yes. a black showmance it was so interesting um People, I think, seeing the pre-season interviews knew that Bailey most likely was going to get in a showmance, and I think I saw a lot of people trying to put her with Brett or Winston, which is totally fine. Love is love. Do what you got to do. But I, I, I found it very endearing, um, her and Swaggy, them um, 
being such different personalities but balancing mm -hmm. each other really well. But my favorite thing of all of this um, Swaley thing is Swaggy live tweeting his watching of Love and Basketball this week. Oh, and he was like, he? Bailey said, he said, Bailey said, I need to watch this movie. I've never seen it. And then he's like live tweeting all the major moments of the movie. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she got into USC. <laughs> oh my. And just seeing um, that <laughs> was just, I thought that was, uh, I think he's handled the relationship part of this as best as he could, given the situation of being with somebody, feeling very intense for two weeks and then, or three weeks, and then being out of the house watching them. I think he's navigated it mm -hmm. as best as he could um, and still being himself. And I think how, I, I just don't believe in like critiquing other people's relationships. Cause I'm like, if you guys all had a window into mine, y'all yeah. have a lot to say. Um, and that's why I'm not on Big Brother, right? And so I just think I, I appreciate um, their love and I hope that it's, you know, it lasts and it's I hope authentic so and, too. you know, whatever's I know, best for I the mean, most I of I think that. that Big Brother is sort of like an extended honeymoon phase of any relationship that, that gets uh, started in there. So I, mm -hmm. I re I'm really pulling for them that it's at least if it's if it doesn't end in like something, you know, like marriage or anything like that, that even though that's would be far down the line anyway, I just hope that it's a relationship that is fortuitous and that is like real and genuine and that the both of them are happy mm -hmm. with one another and learn from one another. Because um, I know that Swaggy is a little younger than Bailey, so I know Swaggy still has a lot of figuring out of what he wants to do with his life and his time and Bailey's a little bit more set in her career or so yes. um, I know that, that that can be a that can be very trying for some relationships. So I'm hoping that there's a way that they can sort of balance that out and that it ends up being a very prosperous thing for the both of them because I mean they're they seem like they really really enjoy each other's company. I think that's just so it's such a rare thing to yeah. see in a genuine way, which is so lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of this whole season, which is so random, but it was so endearing to watch Bailey braid his hair. And just the way that she has used braiding people's hair as a way to get comfortable with them and to love on mm -hmm. them has been such a, it just touches my heart. But like the first night or the first couple days when the feeds came on, she was braiding his hair and they were just, it just, just so intimate in such a, mm -hmm. a sweet way. And it stuck with me and I, I love that. And I, I do hope that they are genuine with each other and when they're out of the house that they can really, you know, make something mm -hmm. work between them. Because it is yeah. very sweet. I also will and I never understand people rooting for relationships to fail. I don't understand that. Well, I, don't, I like, rooted for Marlena <laughs> to fail, so I understand. I mean, that's different. I actually root for Elena to fail, to be very specific in my issues. But now she's in D Magazine, bigger than Katherine Heigl. Oh, but my God. I think, um, I, 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 yeah, I just don't, I think if people find somebody that they're happy with and the relationship is authentic, because the biggest problem with Big Brother is you're incentivized to stay in relationships mm -hmm. that don't work. Um, I just hope that people, when they find somebody, that it's authentic and it's real mm -hmm. and that it sustains. And I wish that on everybody, whether mm -hmm. they're in Big Brother or not. Ditto. I mean, like, why, like, what kind of negative-ass person do you need to... If you want love and you want a relationship, Everybody go out does. there and find <laughs> one, okay? Go out there and be you and attract, attract yeah. that into your life, okay? Law of attraction. Yep. Um, people seem to have a problem with Swaggy's nickname when, he, when we found out he was going into the house. <laughs> but they never really had a problem with other nicknames in the past, like Evil Dick or Mike Boogie, Mr. Pectacular. What, how do you guys feel about that? It's, uh, what do you mean, how do I feel? That's racist, <laughs> put that gif up, right? I just think, <laughs> That's racist. Um, like, yeah, I, I, like, 
He's not the first person with a nickname. He's not the first person with t-shirts. Like, when you boil it down to what the problem is, you have a problem with his personality, with his identity, and likely it all gets amplified because of his race. He's not allowed to be audacious and cocky mm -hmm. and arrogant. When we have praised audacious and cocky and arrogant people many mm -hmm. times in their seasons that were extremely obnoxious in diary rooms, the fact that people like Paul, I wanted to turn down my volume every time he was in a diary room because he was so over the top. And people, every critique I have heard for Swaggy, I'm like, but when it was somebody else, it wasn't, it wasn't mm -hmm. as problematic. And so that leads me to believe, because of the way in which I experience the world, that the only thing different between Swaggy and all these other people yeah. is his skin. I mean, I mean, yeah. I will be... Go ahead. I was, I was a little... I wasn't happy that he was going in like that because I knew the uphill battle that he had in front of him. And I feel like this just kind of added to the fire because it was going to turn things a certain way. And mm -hmm. I, I just didn't want... I didn't. I wanted best for him this season, and I and I just felt like him going in with that nickname just didn't feel authentic to me. Listening to the way that he explained it and whatnot, and so I just I don't know. It bothered me a little bit. I'll be completely honest. Um, because black people aren't allowed mm -hmm. to be themselves. I don't right? even if know. If you met Swaggy I don't think... on the street and he goes by Swaggy and that's his personality, right? That's the, like let's assume that because that's all we have. Assume that that is one hundred percent who he is around the clock. I don't know because if I believe it, black. though. Yeah, it may not be, but, but I'm just saying based on the evidence I, think, I have, I think that's that all that it I got. is, though, right, because, right. I mean, you know, as soon as the cast list dropped, a lot of people were then shopping around a bunch of his videos, some of which have been a year to a year and a half um, old, and he's still referring to himself that way. So if it's a recent thing, it's, it's within a year and a half that he's been referring to himself as Swaggy. So... I think it's become a part of, of his identity. Now, whether or not he turned it up for the cameras is probably, yeah, of course he probably did, because, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, if you're on Big Brother and you, he knows that he's there for his personality. Yeah. He knows that having the name Swaggy C is a, a big part as to why he even probably was cast on the show. So you're going to, I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. a TV show first and foremost, so they are, producers want that they want that in the show because, or else, why, why? Big Brother doesn't even call him Chris. Big Brother calls him Swaggy C. In the intro video, you can see his name is Swaggy C. In all of his diary rooms, it says Swaggy C at the bottom. Like they know, they he knows what he's doing. They know what they're doing, and I don't understand why people like. I mean, this there's a freaking fifty year old. We call Gen, Gen City. City. There's Gen a fifty year old City. man calling himself right. Evil Dick. Like Evil Dick. You know, like I don't, I don't. <laughs> And you know, I don't even know if it was if it was so much than him having a nickname. I just think I guess because it was I I know Swaggy P and he was Swaggy C. Yeah. It just felt like, sir, what are you doing? Like this just seems but like But he a even lot. says it. He said he said it one hundred percent came from Swaggy P and I decided I know. that was gonna be Swaggy C. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like if that's who you are, I don't have to like you, right? I'm not gonna I'm not getting no swaggy mm -hmm. C tattoo. I'm not even right, gonna buy a shirt. Right. Um, but I do love that every time somebody from the Hive, formerly known as Faute, wears a Swaggy C shirt that level six is blood boils. I, I love it. I'm like, yes. Um, and I love as, that Haley wins HOH, and the first thing she does is go to put yeah. on a Swaggy C shirt. Yes. I love that he's kind of being yeah, immortalized I don't know if, in the If house. you guys watch Drag Race, but, I, but it's sort of like the it's like the Miss Vanjie thing. Like it's like as soon as yes. as yeah, soon yeah. as like if you if you get rid of them too soon, and they're so they're so big in personality. That's all that we remember is that. Is that Swaggy C or that Vanjie? It's like now you've you've, yeah. you've you've created the monster by getting rid of this person so early because now they're once again they're frozen in time. 
And I think I just deeply believe the way in which the people in the house talk about him that were on his side, there's something that is very genuine mm -hmm. in who he is and Absolutely. something that's very real. The way in which they talk about him being the first person that really connected with them, them feeling so deeply connected. I, when it was like day 47, Haley said to Fessy, she's like, I'm really sad because on today, Swaggy and I had made an agreement that when we got to this day, we were going to talk about how we both experienced something bad that they share in common that they mm -hmm. were going to talk about with each other. And like, she's like, I'm just really sad today because I wish he was here so we could talk about it. Like, there's something, whether we saw it or not, that is authentic about a person who leaves a lasting impression on so mm -hmm. many people in that way um, that you have to that you have to honor. Whether we whether we see, I mean, CBS chooses what we see. We didn't get to see the first week, and that plays so much into how everybody thinks about him and remembers him. So I think I also just honor like. Whether he's over the top and in your face, there's something very real about him that those who knew him love, mm -hmm. and like you have to appreciate that. No, I definitely think he's an authentic person. I, he even said, like, I had to be swagging there, but I'm being Chris right now. You know, like, in those mm -hmm. moments, I really felt who he was, and I like who he is, but I think from the, that first week just getting to know everyone, I was worried for him, mm -hmm. and, and those things that he kind of brought in with himself made me a little even worried for his yeah. game. I mean, it's um, definitely. But as of now, I'm I'm happy he was on this season. I think he was an amazing character for this season, and I'm happy that he made as much of an impact as yeah. he did. Yeah, and it's it, and, and to your point, it's definitely something that for future African American players, I think that you can learn. We can learn a lot, even though he was there for two weeks. We can learn a lot about the do's and the don'ts <laughs> of being black and big brother from him. So yeah. I think there's stuff to be learned from his game about, you know, making some certain decisions because um, as, you know, as audacious as he is and as real as he is with his alliance, you know, that probably, I think the main, I think part of the reason that level six, yeah, part of the reason, reason that level six is so upset is because they, and I think Tyler was the, one of the first people to see it and Tyler did the right game it was as frustrating as it is because we didn't want to see him to go so soon but Tyler did the right thing and being like this guy can fucking rally bitches like he's gotta go like so you know mm -hmm. and Swaggy even said it the other day and people were really getting in his mentions he said what's wrong with you know my side of the house right now is that they mm -hmm. lack leadership and that, that that is, like, it sounds very arrogant for him to say it, but it is true. Like, he had a depth of understanding of the game, it, while whether he didn't understand how to present mm -hmm. himself in the game, but they, they are kind of floundering without this, like, cohesive gel that he provided them. So Tyler did the best mm -hmm. game move in getting him out. Because now look at them, just floundering around without, like, rhyme or right. reason or sense of direction. Correct, Mundo. Speaking of game moves... <clears throat> Um, last week, Haley was the hacker, and she had a lot of guilt in what was going on with her, as we all know. And she opened up and told Bailey that she was the hacker, and everyone had been piling on Bailey that Bailey was the hacker, and treating her much differently than they had before, and things went really south. Um, and she mm -hmm. ended up having a moment in the house meeting, and it was kind of unlike anything we had seen before. And it was, I think it's something, <laughs> literal blood. It's something we definitely need to talk about and unpack a little bit. But what do you think caused her to open up about the way that she was feeling in such a explosive way? I hate to use that word, but it was a, it was, it was a lot. It, it was a, a moment of just letting it all out. Mm -hmm. When you hear the screeches in her voice, I found myself have like a lump or, a, you know, in the tightness in your own chest. 
because what I heard, especially as she was talking about Swag, like she got the power because Swaggy left and she's here by herself. What you heard was authentic pain. And while people are like re going back, like Tyler didn't do anything that significant to her. Um, it wasn't about like how grandiose it was. It was this awareness of being alone. Um, and, and in a way, she is alone that other people cannot understand, right? She is, there's a depth of her loneliness in that house that's not just actually about Swaggy, but does deeply connect to her not, she, she cannot um, blend in in that space. And I say that word very intentionally because I think there are people, like uh, BB-18 was, I think, objectively one of the most diverse cast with the number of Latina um, mm -hmm. people that we had in it, but there are still some people who do not, who are not aware that Natalie is Latina mm -hmm. and from Venezuela, right? Like, because she can mm -hmm. pass for white. She can exist in a white space and white people not mm -hmm. think of her as any different. Um, Bailey has been made aware that being her full self and reacting in her full way from uh, day one was problematic. And I say that because the first time we see da Bailey experience a microaggression of some sort is how Tyler reacts when she, when they were working together in that ball, drop the ball mm -hmm. comp. And she so says, what die. are you doing? She does a normal, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, that's a normal reaction. What are you doing? We're working together. Why are you all of a sudden turning on me versus like us going still to get JC out? And his reaction and debrief of that was like, she got so aggressive and snapped at me. And I was like, huh. Um, and there's another moment where she's in the room and I'm sure Haley and her are yelling at Fessy. I'm sure that that's what happened because that's all they ever did when they were all three together. <laughs> but um, in that moment, she says, after they're like yelling, she goes, I also just appreciate that I can be my full self when I'm with you two. Like I can say things how I feel them because she's aware she cannot, Bailey pops off. That's who she is as a person. That's who I am as a person. And she's not allowed to be mm -hmm. her full self in the house. And so I think her, her reaction was like, the isolation felt magnified for her because she had already mm -hmm. felt isolated and different. Um, and this just illuminated in this moment. And every other person who was um, being sent out of the house was made to feel abnormally comfortable mm -hmm. before they left. To made to feel completely to safe, the point of completely fine, everything is good. Com everybody was completely blind, truly blindsided and Instantly, Bailey was like treated differently by people who she thought cared mm -hmm. about her sincerely. And th that, that I think hurts and cuts in a way. I do think she really felt an authentic connection with Angela and she felt an authentic connection with Casey. So to have them turn on her, I think it cut her in a way that it was like, you know what? Why did I ever think that I, I think she doubted like, why did I ever believe that I could have had mm -hmm. an authentic connection and with I her? Think, I think for Tyler as well, I think, you know, like, I mean, the first thing that he said, and Tyler does this thing, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but, uh, like, the first thing, the first conversation that he had, that she had with Tyler when she won HOH was, like, look, like, I understand, like, you were with Caitlyn, and I understand that her being, you know, evicted is kind of leaving you in a vulnerable position, so I understand that I'm going to just give you a break, I just want, I want us to be able to work together, I want us to be on the same side, I want us to foster a friendship and an alliance and a partnership. And then the minute that Tyler mm -hmm. has the opportunity to ax that, it's like, I mean, I think, like, I mean, like you just said, Michelle, and what Davon tweeted when she finally watched the, uh, the, the house meeting, she was like, that wasn't anger, that was pain. Like, she was 
hurt. She was upset because here are all these people that she told I, I want I want to be able to uh, that's why I gave you the information because I want to work with you and I don't understand why I'm not given a chance why is it that my the only mm-hmm. island that I had is gone that's it and I'm out here grasping reaching for something more and mm-hmm. it's just it's a no from everybody I don't I don't aside from the people that she'd already been working with and I uh, yeah and I just I think and a lot, and I know that I know that BB Team North, you feel a certain way about Tyler, but I think that uh, <laughs> I think that in that moment, I think that part of the reason, because everybody was calling Tyler such a little bitch for crying after that, I think that why he was crying because I think that right there in that moment he was like, I really fucked up. I think that I really hurt this person. I don't want to. I don't want to be portrayed as someone that does this to somebody, and I think that I actually may have hurt somebody. Now, of course, he parlayed that into, you know, getting back into his good graces with Angela and to making sure that Angela knew that he wasn't the person that turned on her, even though, technically speaking, he was telling the truth. He never threw Angela's name out there. Um, uh, I... From that perspective. (laughs) I do think... I I do think (laughs) that in that moment, like, I think that the pain that Bailey was feeling, the justified pain that she was feeling, got to him. And it was... Yeah, it was, it was, I've watched it multiple times, and each time it's still painful to watch. Like, she was, whew, she was mad. Yeah. You rarely it's ever get to see somebody, pain. yeah, you never get to see someone's pain like that, especially in front of a group of people like that, when they just told them she wasn't the hacker and nobody apologized. So, like, it's putting her in a place where even if people know the truth, even though in that house you never really know the truth, but even when I'm trying to, clear the air people still want to treat me wrong and make me feel like I'm the bad person and that is just a layer on top of those other layers of microaggression she's felt this whole season and and things Mm -hmm. and situations that have built up on her and this was just honestly a moment of release and it was in it was wild to watch because you rarely get to see a full human like that like get pushed that level and I, I hate that some people walked away with it, not giving her the honor of that being her being a full human. Because I really did feel the pain of multiple mm-hmm. black people in Listen. her voice in that moment and the anger of multiple black house yeah. guests come from like, I felt all of them, uh, our black queens from the past <laughs> rising up and saying oh, how they felt gosh. in that space. And then to see people be like, she's so freaking crazy. I'm like, right. oh, no, she's, she's hurt and it's okay. And how she expresses her hurt may not be the same way that you do, but I really hated Tyler being the victim at the end of all of that. It was such a Taylor Swift move and I just really can't stand that to be like, oh Lord, I'm the victim. I can't believe I'm being portrayed this way as a villain. I did not do that to you. And I'm like, Tyler, you know, you know how she's misunderstanding what you said. Like you, are, you can be aware. Like you are smart enough. Let's hope to understand why she's co- potentially confused in this situation. She doesn't know you're working with Angela. The way you said it could come across that way. You could have pulled her, even if you didn't want to apologize. Whole whole group. You could have pulled her to the side, one on one, and showed her that you validated her and apologized to her in the same way that you kissed everybody's ass one on one before they left out the door. And I, I think that moment. Um, and, and that missed opportunity, as well as several other missed opportunities, will likely be the reason that Tyler may not, even if he's sitting in the final two, may not win because he isn't doing a good job of reading um, 
I think he's starting to act like his shit doesn't stink and he doesn't understand when to apologize and get him back in people's good graces in one-on-one -on -one moments. And I, yeah, I hope, ba I hope Bailey can honor the game, but I would not be, I would not be surprised or upset if Bailey didn't vote for mm -hmm. Tyler in the end. I agree. I might even tweet, yes, <laughs> queen. I, I'm just going to be true. That <laughs> might really be what I tweet come down to oh, who I will is sitting next yes, to queen. Tyler in that final two, because like, I think there are plenty of people that but she would vote um, to win before Tyler, and there's plenty, and there's a, I think there's a good little handful of people that you would probably vote Tyler over. So it's it's going to be really interesting. Plus all of the information that's going to come into the jury house after she's been there for some time. Well, well, which which mm -hmm. all depends on the order. We'll get it. this. We should have a whole yeah, other strategy conversation because I think the hive dominating the jury house and them being completely clueless drastically changes how this game is going to be played out because mm -hmm. they do not know what's going on. They likely they are the they are the majority of votes and they are likely going to all go first. And it is they. I, I think it has potential to be a crazy finale because nobody acknowledged we had the most clueless people are literally the people we're allowing to sit. They all going to vote for jury. somebody else. Did you guys see that tweet? <laughs> I'm excited too. This Did you see that tweet? Um, somebody was like, uh, uh, Julie Chen's <laughs> like, Fessy, congratulations, you are the winner of Big Brother. And he's like, who flipped? <laughs> who flipped? And he said, who flipped? <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're so dumb. It's so cute. It's so funny. But when you, when you were talking earlier about feeling the, like, Bailey was speaking for so many black past house guests, I completely agreed with that. Um, and I feel like so many people have gone into that house and had to feel like they can't be themselves and they can't open up and express how they feel as a black person because of everything that that comes with. And so her going off like that really felt like validation for all of that, for so many years of that. But when she was opening up to Sam about being the only black person in the house and not wanting to come off as an angry black person, and we see that happen all the time, do you think now that Bailey has opened up in this way that it will change the way that people open up in the future? You mean specifically black people? No. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think I don't think I've ever seen someone be as vocal as she was in that situation. Uh, I I have vaguely I think what was most interesting wasn't how direct she was but how um, for, I think at first Sam wasn't getting it and Tyler was also in the room when she first starts talking about how she's feeling right. that she can't be herself and um, this was the moment that I actually really decided I didn't like Tyler was how he went and talked about it afterwards he was like Bailey's up there bitching about something I'm like she was actually pretty explicit about mm -hmm. how she feels you and your relaying of the message is completely invalidating where she's being explicit and because Sam is kind of different I couldn't tell if Sam was understanding her I think later now, hearing Sam talk about it, I can get that Sam was able to understand, but Sam was like, you know, you just got to talk to more people and just be, be yourself. She I'm like, Sam, listen, that's the problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was talking in circles. So I think that was, to me, if I, no, not to me, Michelle, watching that, I would not go in the house and think that people understood. I think I would try my best to try to find the Haley's and the Rockstars yeah, out there. Yeah, that's what I was going to um, say. Seek, find them and try to express myself to them fully. Um, but but I wouldn't, I, that just confirmed for me that there are people who won't ever get it and who will mm. use it to mock me. Tyler explicitly went downstairs and was like, Bailey's crying about some mm -hmm. bullshit. I think I and actually like, tweeted that because I, I remember saying, 
I officially don't like Tyler in that moment. <laughs> so you saying that reminds me of that moment because like, I always felt weird about him, but that just like sent me over the edge and it hasn't recovered. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's that's what we talk about when we say white privilege. He has the privilege of not having to, un- he doesn't mm-hmm. have to understand what Bailey's coming, where she's coming from. He can choose to ignore her and continue his existence and continue the game. And he doesn't like, he does, he doesn't have to, understand, experience that pain, have that extra weight, Tyler is allowed to go into this game and play as just himself, an individual, He and be, even though he's in a house of dum-dums, we're literally watching Dumb and Dumber, he's being considered some like genius mastermind. That That is the privilege, right? Like he only can, he, he has little, his mental space is focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's winning the game. And Bailey does not have that mm-hmm. ability to do that. I mean, I to to the to the original question of whether or not do you think that this might change how future black cats behave in the house. I was going to say, yeah, I think in the in, in I think what we experienced this season, especially in regards to Fessy and Haley and Rockstar, is that there is there does seem to be a little bit of a sh- cultural shift in um, Caucasian house guests or house guests that are just not black. Um, I think that we might be seeing more people, more nuanced people being cast now whether or not that was intentional on casting's part is that's remains to be seen but i i i I will echo michelle in that if i if i'm in that house i'm definitely going to try and surround myself with people that are going to be privy to the sort of struggle that i that i might have to that i will experience in that house um as far as how I compose myself, well, I I consider myself not to be uh, a very confrontational person anyway. I like to avoid arguments. Um, I like to laugh through things. So um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that'll ever be a problem for me, but I also would never shy away from expressing to people how I, how I truly felt. You know, I just think that for me, I think I'd be a lot more... Uh, I don't, I don't want to use the word uh, diplomatic because I don't think that Bailey is undiplomatic. I just think that, I don't know. I just think that me and Haley are two different people. So I think that what she's done for me has helped me. Is remi- it's just a reminder for me that like you don't have to take shit from anybody. Like You can go in that house and let somebody know how you feel. Now, whether or not they are going to use it as a means to mm-hmm. get you out, you're going to have to be prepared for that down the, down the road. But... You know, that's just something that any black house guest has to worry about regardless. So you might as well just stick up for yourself. Mm-hmm. During the veto ceremony, when Bailey was put onto the block, um, there was an exchange where she said, yes, ma'am, to Angela. Ooh. And for some reason, it felt really, it stung in a, a way that I wasn't expecting. And I wanted to see what you guys felt about that because I know I had my feelings about it, but I wanted to hear what, what else someone might have felt about that because I don't feel like I could explain it the way that I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it definitely it it struck a little uncomfortability within me. I was like, I don't like this, especially given the circumstance of the situation. Like, it just felt yeah, it felt very, very. Ugh. I just just reminded me of certain things and certain times, and <laughs> just wasn't here for it. Yeah. And I was reading a lot of things on Twitter about it. And somebody, and I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily true. I'm not from the South, um, so I can't really attest to this. But it did at least offer me a different perspective. And someone was saying, "Oh well, I don't think that I understand why people feel that way, but 
one thing that people have to understand about the South is that saying yes ma'am can also be a very condescending thing to say to somebody. It can be like, because you are deliberately being overly sweet or uh, hospitable to someone that you actually have a lot of discontent for. So maybe in that way, that was Bailey's way of being like, yes ma'am, what else do you need ma'am? You know, bullshit like that. But still, I kind of, I was... Uh, I, I avoid like if I ever rewatch this season, I will deliberately skip over this eviction or this uh, veto ceremony every time because I don't want to see that. Again. Yeah, I um, from the south. I'm transparently growing up. I said yes, ma'am, to everybody. I even say it to my little sisters. So the phrase yeah, yes, ma'am, does not have like a uh, natural power dynamic. It's just considered in general respect. And sometimes I do say it in a kind of like yes, ma'am, like in a condescending way. Yeah, so, yeah. but I, I also cringed in that moment in part because of how the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. It would be one thing if we had heard Bailey saying yes, ma'am, throughout the season. Then it was just yes. a part of how she talks, and that's just how she interacts. Um, but to hear it for the first time in that way, it felt. I think everybody cringed because you almost see the revert her subliminally or not revert into this like power dynamic, and she's forced into submission mm-hmm. in this way. Um, and you're, that's also captured by seeing Tyler and Angela revel yes. in this. You know what I mean? Like, I think the, the, the whole mix of it all, it's not just the yes ma'am, it's the Angela's, like, feeling validated yeah. and indignant and Tyler's evilness and him putting on his sunglasses and her shrinking as a, as a person right. when she has normally been presented as, like, so confident and sure of herself and she views herself as, like, the head person in charge and now being... I don't know, shrink in that moment. I think that all of that together is what made it cringe. Not And the yes man was just the, yeah. <laughs> the final nail in the cringe coffin. And then me. Angela, I mean, and more so Angela, you know, being so low-key, and then all of a sudden, this monster comes out. I mean, we saw it with Rachel, and we see it again, and it's like... It's, yeah, bye, bitchy, it's, Angela. Yeah, it's like, what, like what's going like I mean I think Angela really said or Rachel said it best like what's wrong with you like why are you what's so, wrong with Angela why are you like why are you lame? Angela is the definition of a mean girl yeah she is Regina George yeah I think we can talk I think we can talk about that I think that was an interesting uh, topic I mean we don't have to talk about it at length but I think that that's I think this is an interesting uh, conversation to be had which one about um stan culture and using black phrases and um mm. Yeah. All of these gifts. That one's so much even bigger than Big Brother, though. Yeah, it is. It is, and I. It really just ties into the gifts. How how people can have an opinion on Bailey and the way that she expressed herself, but then turn around and use her gifts for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. And that always felt a little, just I don't know, uncomfortable. Grimy. We deal with a lot of different people who can just pop into our mentions, and a lot of people, which we can call it stan culture. They use a lot of black terminology and a, a lot of things from black culture to, I guess, create the stand culture. And a, one thing that they do often is respond to how someone like Bailey expresses themselves in the house meeting, but then they'll turn around and turn those things into gifts and use it for their own benefit. And it always just sat a little weird with me that we can degrade something, but then use it for our own benefit. How, how, do, how do we deal with that on Twitter when when experiencing something like that. 
It gets, how do you feel about it overall? It gets into that conversation of, of cultural appropriation, and, and then I know that people hearing mm-hmm. that are going to be like, how can you appropriate a gift? That's just like, you're just doing too much at this point. It's just it's just a gift. It's just a word. You can't like claim ownership of da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, okay, sure. If you want Once again, if you want to boil out any of the nuance, any of the complexity, sure. We can all say that they're just images that we're just retweeting and sharing on a social media platform that won't even matter in the next 80 fucking years. Sure, if you want to be that base about the argument, mm-hmm. let's do it. But if you want to be smart and not intellectually lazy <laughs> and you want to have a conversation about how black people, their experiences, and then the art um, that they create from those experiences or the way that they choose to express their discontent... Um, if you want to talk about how those are then appropriated in a sense that can be comical or used as the benefit of somebody else, like that's a ver- that's an everyday occurrence that happens every single day. Like I don't understand how you're going to have a problem with how Davon used to pop off and be like, oh well, she's that's why she's out the door, but then repeatedly use her gifts of her popping off whenever you are angry. Like if you're sitting over here saying you would mm-hmm. never do something like that, then why are you putting it in a tweet? That's stupid. That's like that's li- that's literally stupidity for you to be like, oh, I I would never do something like that, and then retweet it, over and over again. Yeah, I I find this conversation so hard for me as a black woman because it is so amplified of our experience and our identity in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is that we are um, mocked but then people want to wear who we are in the, they, they want to wear it in their clothing, in their hair, and how, how they interact and engage. And um, to use our expressive full selves to their amusement and benefit, it just, it's so triggering to me because mm-hmm. it, every time it happens in that way, it just is a reminder that that is the black female experience in this country, period. I mean, even Melania Trump just takes Michelle Obama's speech and just says it, right? There's no accreditation. There's no acknowledgement. There's no honoring of, uh, of, of the women who have made some of the last few seasons of Big Brother so entertaining, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can say uh, Devon walking out on season 17, that is one of the most used gifts out there yes. right now. And I think, like, we just... It, how... Um, I don't think we understand what it feels like. I don't think it, everybody can understand what it feels like to be uh, constantly mocked um, and constantly appropriated and that mental tension of, like, you do not celebrate me but you uh, as a person, but you do want to use me for your own amusement. It, it's just... It's, it's, it's triggering because it's, it's literally the, the black female existence right. in this country. Like, how do you... Like, how... Like, yeah, like, and how do you... How how is anybody supposed to really live comfortably in an environment like that? It's like how mm-hmm. can you? It's like you 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 like what I'm bringing to the table, but you don't like that it's coming from me. So let me divorce, let me divorce the person from mm-hmm. the the artwork or whatever it is, and just use it that. It's like like what. Yeah. Is that? It's like it's also like, oh my gosh, you're you're too spicy of a personality. But because I'm so unseasoned, I need to take <laughs> your little spice and use it to make myself more interesting when I write a really lame tweet. Because half the time you wrote something lame, you would, but you used you the, the Davon mm-hmm. gift, and that's what made it interesting. And like, 
that that's what bothers me like like you can't say that somebody is too much and they're too full but you're going to cherry pick parts of them to make yourself more interesting like own your own identity and acknowledge who you are and if and if Devon is too much for you then all of her is too much for you and she is not for mm -hmm. you and if um the same with bailey if bailey is too aggressive for you then do not be using her anger i saw somebody use the who had talked about um, her being too angry and doing the most, but then also use her angry gift with the blood coming out to try to, to say a point about something mm -hmm. else. Like, exactly. am I going to leave so-and-so alone? And da da da, -da. I'm like, ugh. That's exactly like, what inspired this question. My pain is not for your humor. Mm -hmm. Like, that just, ugh. And it, it's a totally different thing if you honored Bailey in that moment and you acknowledged her pain and you understood her as a full person and you can like make light of it now that you're removed from it, but it is different to want to, to just be a so so opposite sides to both critique and then try to leverage. Mm -hmm. It's good. it's kind of annoying and a little disgusting. But it, it but the majority of those tweets, I really just want to hone in on that point. Are black women? It's the same way that mm -hmm. people say Real Housewives of Atlanta is too ratchet. Love and hip hop. Look at all this ghetto things that are on TV. Mm -hmm. But Cardi B, she's trash. But I people, I saw somebody use an okra tweet and I was just like that's not you yeah. as a person right that, that's not you but you're using Cardi B who you probably don't fully celebrate acknowledge and value as her full self to like make a yeah. funny point it's just and like uh, it's just so it's it, it yeah I mean it I, I mean like I can't really speak to it that much because I'm not a black woman but just based off of the things that I've seen it's just like I don't like I don't understand how you as a person can feel so good in that moment when you are getting whatever it is that you're getting whether it is likes or retweets or somebody agreeing with your with your opinion because of the terminology that you use to get it across how can you really feel that validated in your own existence when you're not even being you at that point you're just using things to and whether or not your opinion might be of your own you're not expressing it in the way that you felt was appropriate because you didn't think that it would come across unless you used somebody else's words face body language and i'm like then what's the what's the like what's the point of talking at that point then don't talk either formulate an opinion of your own and learn how to express your thoughts and feelings with your own personality or just stop talking because it's not like we 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 know who davon is i can follow i don't need any more davon from anybody else i have enough from following <laughs> I have enough from following her on my own. Like, cause I'm, I have enough Devon to last me a lifetime. So I really don't need anybody else giving me these fake appropriations of of, of who she is or who any black man um, is as a person. It's it's ridiculous. It really is. We've heard a couple times this season people tell Bailey that they want her to be the first African American woman of Big Brother. Mm. But then when Angela said it, she turned around and backdoored her, and it just had this ominous feeling. Just like it just felt so disrespectful beyond what it just it felt extremely pointed you know mm -hmm. and so it just made me wonder if do we even have a possibility to have a black winner in this game if somebody can fix their words and say i want to see somebody black win this game and then turn around and evict them with intentionally you know it's it just felt like such a story we, we see all the time i think that she's yeah. privy to the fact that I don't think that the fact that she got that talking to from the DR at the first week ever really left her mind. I think that that's still probably a concern of hers as to whether yes, or not she's 100% on her mind. being, you know, portrayed as somebody that's racist. So she's like, oh, and any possibility that I can show that I am not um, racist, then I'm going to go for it. Um, 
but then to turn around and then eat your own words based off of based off of the strategy not even your own strategy because I, I could understand if you were like Bailey has the power she's gotta go you didn't start singing that tune until Tyler said it so the minute Tyler told you to do that because you're with Tyler then it was like okay well bye Bailey like in that if that if you really were rooting for somebody to be the black winner I'm not saying that you should walk in there and just cheerlead on Bailey to be the winner and just like put yourself to the wayside even though that's what you're doing for Tyler I'm not saying you Hello. have to do that <laughs> I'm just saying like you could at least like you know like act like don't tell her that and then evict her the week later at the first opportunity like what is that it wasn't even the week later it was she put her she literally said it to her the day before the veto mm-hmm. ceremony and she knew from the beginning of the week her plan was to was Tyler's plan was to backdoor Bailey and so to me, Bailey did not prompt it in that moment when she said it. It was unnecessary. Yes. And you knew what you were going to do. So it just shows that you're just a spiteful, hateful yeah. person. Like that was unnecessary. And it shows that you can't possibly understand what that means mm-hmm. to her. You can't get it. Right. Because if you can say it so trivially without meaning it, it and you can tell by the reaction. I don't know if you guys uh, saw the clip of. Rockstar and Fessy are in the bathroom and Bailey explains, Angela just told me this yesterday. And Rockstar's face is, no. Mm-hmm. Like, she said that and then she put you on the block? Like, why? and Fessy was like, why would she have said that? Like, like they, she clearly doesn't understand the magnitude of that, what that means to Bailey. So then you use it in this manipulative, manipulative way. And so when Bailey is like, we're not going to be friends outside of this. That's 100% valid. That's not her being petty. That's just like shows like who mm. you are on the inside is a little bit nasty and disgusting. Yeah. Like that just fact. And I think um, what, what, I don't know. There's just something there. It, it, Angela's op- action there just illuminates what makes it hard for black people in this game. Because Angela, assume that maybe she isn't the mean Regina George that I assume that she is. Assume that she is really just a nice girl who's had a rough life, mm-hmm. you know, or just a nice girl who's misunderstood. She, like, even if you're a nice girl who's misunderstood, what, what in your brain tells you that that's mm-hmm. okay? Like, why isn't there any red flag that says maybe this is unnecessary to bring up? And she circles back and doubles down on the point the day before the eviction when she says, when I said that, I really did mean it. Obviously, you didn't yeah. because you were backdooring yeah. her. Like, why? I did mean that I want you to be the first black winner on another season. Is yeah. that what you meant? Because, like, otherwise it just logically doesn't make like, sense. It, it, it was really infuriating to me. It's unnecessary. If you honestly believed it, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have treated the situation like that. Like, it's not something that, uh, it's not... It's not trivial. It's not something you're not saying as if, oh, you know what? I think today I actually will try the black licorice jelly beans for the first time versus having the cinnamon ones. No, bitch. We're not jelly beans for people. Like, if you wanted somebody black to win the season, then you would have been a little bit more, you know, you've been a a better, a a better proponent in making that happen. You know, of course, not to the detriment of your Mm -hmm. own game, but you you just wouldn't have handled it that way. You just wouldn't have. And, let, and I think that point is really important that she started to touch on, because I see people talking about this on Twitter all the time. Nobody is saying that you should throw your game away for mm-hmm. Bailey. Nobody is saying, lay down your game and everybody sacrifice yourself, despite the fact that multiple people are currently doing that for Tyler and you guys don't seem to have a problem with it. But that is mm-hmm. not what Bailey is saying. She's just being authentic and saying, like, this is important to me. I've, she has broken barriers before, and she would like to do it again. Mm-hmm. Like she, and she wants that to be a part of her legacy in the game. And I truly thought, 
partway through the game that Bailey did have what it took to to be a black winner or to get really close. I really I I feel I felt disappointed transparently because I really thought of all the cast members we had seen in recent years, Bailey had one distinct benefit. She had grown mm-hmm. up and survived white dominant spaces. Mm-hmm. And that's to me that was like this a secret sauce ingredient, right? Like um, I think Danielle Reyes, not in the exact same way, but she had also learned how to be more comfortable in diverse, dominant spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think that allowed her to be successful in season three, um, even though she got screwed mm-hmm. in the end. And I, so I saw that in Bailey of like, Bailey understands the, this dynamic and she can she could speak the language with different groups. And it was just unfortunate that her trust was never mm-hmm. good enough for anybody. Yeah, exactly that. And her passion was be- was mocked. That's I just don't like mocking. I think that's the theme for me. And I don't like when somebody's personal pas- passion in, in this life is is mocked. And I, I know that you were probably going to ask this question next, uh, North, about whether or not we think that there will be a black winner for Big Brother. Am I wrong in assuming that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, what do you think? Do you think that there's going to be a, a black yeah. winner in a for Big Brother? I. I definitely think that there's a possibility. First and foremost, <laughs> casting has to be on point. Casting has to cast people who are able to, like you said, blend in and figure out a way to infiltrate the system that we already know is in place and be aware of the pitfalls along the way. But I think that we will definitely get someone who can win. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a little discouraging for me to see the way that the whole Bailey situation happened, years and years of situations mm-hmm. that con- continuously pile up one after another um, and not feel a little bit worried. But I'm a positive person and I know that somebody is gonna make it to the end one day and win, but it's just a difficult, it's a, it's a hard road and we already know that. But somebody has to go in knowing that. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if it can be a recruit. I think somebody has to kind of go in and know what they're getting into. Yeah, I think, I mean, one, the recruit point is such an important point. I think you have to really understand the game and understand uh, social dynamics to be able to be successful. But what breaks my heart are like two things. One, um, like this, we have to, we talk about it in this we language. Like we have to have a person who does mm-hmm. this. Like, like the whole black community has to find mm-hmm. the person to go in to represent us. That is so heartbreaking and so much pressure on that person. And then that they, the thought that they'd have to lose parts of themselves in order to be successful is also heartbreaking. I say all of that and I think, um, I honestly believe that Danielle Reyes with, with a jury would have won. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, and how she played the game was flawless. The only reason is that she was her full self in the diary room and that is not appreciated, right? And what that, what that lesson that you learn in that, that is that you can't really be your full self except for in the diary room. Um, and so I do think that if there are people who play the game um, and understand the game a bit more before going in and understand how to pick and choose what parts of yourself you show in different moments, which I think is how everybody, everybody has to pick and choose parts of themselves. And so a way that they can navigate that dynamic in an intentional way. Um, but I don't know if casting, as long as casting <clears throat> maintains the general archetypes that it has, I think the casting roadblock will be the hardest one to, to truly surmount. I think um, 
Yeah, Robin, if you need some diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants, give us a call. We can help you find <laughs> yeah. some, some, some black candidates I, who can help I us go When I started, I was going to say, Aman, I feel like you have a good mental space to know how to navigate this house. We just got to get you on the show. <laughs> I'm hoping so. That was the first thing I... That's what I wanted to say first, but I was like, I don't want to... Since you asked the question, I was like, I don't want to make him feel like I'm just saying it to be nice. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah. I, mean, I'm, I, I think, I mean, it's no secret that I have been doing my damnedest to get on this show. It's just whether or not I can, you know, get through the hoops of of, of casting mm-hmm. and getting, getting you know, you know, I mean, as any as any applicant has to has to get through. So I'm, I'm hoping so, yeah, but I, sure. I'm also, I'm also very optimistic that a black person can win this 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 show. I mean, I think, like I said before, the fact that we are seeing people like Rockstar Fessy and Haley on the show, it's just it's a reminder that the world is changing, even though it can be mind-bogglingly and insidiously slow. It still is changing, and there are people out there that do want to be um, progressive and on the the, the quote-unquote right side of history. Um, and I so I'm 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 hopeful that. We, we, the more and more of a cultural shift that we get and we experience, the more nuance that will be allowed in black bodies in that house because we're not all the same. Yeah. We're not, we're not all going to give it, you know, give you, you know, your stereotype. And even, and even for, uh, for Dominique last year, like, I don't even think that she was that stereotypical. The only, the only, the only week that she liked yeah, Jesus. The, the, and the only, freaking week that they really turned that up and showed her like speaking in the tongues and all that was the week that she went home because they wanted to use it as a justification as to why her ass went out the door so i think that the more and more that we get people that are nuanced that are black i think mm-hmm. the better our chances will be and I'm, I'm hopeful and um i'm very hopeful too i just need it for my spirit and that when we have a black winner I also would love for us to change the way we talk about um, those who are great strategic players. I think we tend to reserve that descriptor for white mm-hmm. males in this game. Um, I have never heard us really name any woman or person of color as a true strategist mm-hmm. in the game, but we have seen awesome stra- like we have seen awesome strategists. They don't do the the the. They don't strategize in the way that Derek yeah. did, or which is very different than the way that Dan did. They do it in a yeah. different way, um, and and most people who get to the end are have some degree of strategy. And so I also not only want a black winner, um, but I also would love to have one that was honored for um, the the art of playing mm-hmm. the game and not. Just like, oh, well, they happen to get there by happenstance. Yeah, I know maybe I'm asking for too much, but I just think it's important it that it's is. not just, oh, we have a first black winner, and they just found their way in right. that seat. I, I really do think we have to change the archetype that only white males are the strategists in the house, and only white males are thinking and thinking like chess pe- and thinking about chess pieces, um, but really honor that there, are, that there are a lot of people who are playing strategic games. Um, they may not be as successful. It may look a lot different. And I really hope that our first black winner has that moniker next to them mm-hmm. as well. I agree. Because, I mean, there's not I just one that. way to play the game. Like, I mean, even... Eve, it's not. It's all freaking right. strategy. And even for the people that are considered the masterminds. Like you just said, Derek's game is so much different than Dan's game. So, like, I don't understand why we have to... Why they have... I mean, I understand that them being... they can, Fine, you can use them as strategic benchmarks. Sure, they both played... 
mm-hmm. masterfully strategic games, but does that mean that somebody else that wins the game in a different way isn't any w- less worthy of a winner? You know, like I just, come on, like. That's what we say, and we most often say it for our female mm-hmm. winners. We most often say for our female winners. I've seen people discredit June. I've seen people discredit, rarely people discredit Rachel, because, you know, Rachel was in our face about yeah. what was going on. Um, but they discredit Nicole, which is fine. I can understand. They discredit, um, what was her name? Jordan. Listen, I don't, I, Jordan didn't play the best game. Mm-hmm. Fine. But she found a way to, she got 500K and I didn't. Yeah. Right? And like, I, I think we just sometimes, there's something there that's really, something about gender and something about race that um, doesn't allow us to honor people's strategy. Even people disqualified Josh, that Josh had no strategy. Josh actually Mm -hmm. had a strategy. He articulated his strategy consistently. He executed on the strategy that he articulated, and it won Mm -hmm. him the game. I don't understand the problem, right? Like, why do we say... That Paul right? was the true like, mastermind. Like, and that's, and I, um, oh my God, they and, just reignited because I mean, I know, yes, yeah, sure, Josh is a fucking mess. He's a mess. He's a mess. He's a mess. Fine, yes. fine. But from the beginning of that season, he said, like he said, oh, I'm gonna, I'm with Paul all the way. I'm gonna work with Paul. He said he was gonna do that, and y'all are all mad because he did it. But he won. He did it, <laughs> and he said very explicitly, he, like he said, goodbye messages were the key to exposing people to my game in the house. And I hadn't really Guess seen what? somebody like, use it that way before. And I thought it was brilliant. I was like, that, yeah, because he's that a was fan literally of the show. it. He actually realized that that is a critical way to play the game, is to expose the, to expose the architecture of your thinking when people in a safe space, which is the diary room. I don't, so I, I, it just is infuriating to me because I really see it amplified right now where I will scream from the rooftops that Tyler does not demonstrate to me any behaviors of a true puppet master, of a true mastermind, or of a true strategy. I think he shows little, maybe little twinkles, but he does not have the, he pl- he's playing a Hayden mm-hmm. game, and Hayden Moss wasn't a strategist. Hayden Moss was a recruit who found, a, who found that being social and well-liked and finding a loyal alliance will get you mm-hmm. to the end. And that's what Tyler's p- primarily doing, but for some reason people are so quick to want to equate him to Dr. Will and to Dan, and I, it's infuriating to me because I think if we saw that exact same game from Bailey... Um, it, she wouldn't be given that same degree mm-hmm. of accolade. Yep. Wimpling in the period. And it's only it's always after the fact that then you want to award these people for being so great. Like, like you call them a bitch the entire season through, and then after the fact when you miss them and you like and you realize just how much entertainment and um, and fun and life they brought to that house, then you want to celebrate all that shit. But that you like, where was it when she when they were actually there? You know, like, come on. When were they? When yeah. they were there? When they needed yeah. you. <laughs> when they needed you. Well, on that note, I think this has been a phenomenal conversation, and I am so happy that we finally were able to sit down and talk. Um, I know, we've been trying. Um, this was lots of fun. We have been trying. It is great. You guys are phenomenal voices in the community, and I'm so thankful to be friends and to have to be able to listen and to learn from both of you. Um, and I just wanted to see if you had any final closings and to tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. And yeah. Ladies first. Oh, so nice. Thank you. Finally, as a woman, I'm being acknowledged. <laughs> just kidding. Not really. Dead serious. Um, again, my name is Michelle. I think um, closing thoughts, I would say a couple of things. That when people tell you something, whether it's how they feel, that they want to be seen, heard, and respected, just listen. 
that's like the closing thought for me and my life and how I orient and just like what I wish onto the Twitterverse that we would better orient in that way. Um, and don't be intellectually mm -hmm. lazy. Like, just you come on, y'all. Just try a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I actually do. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and you guys can find me really pushing different conversations on Twitter at MO underscore ZPP, where I'm ranting and raving most days um, and trying to undermine Tyler's <laughs> game at every chance I get. <laughs> Just kidding. If he wins, I will be happy for him. And if he doesn't, I will be happy for me. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I guess all I'll just say is um, I'm really happy that I've had the chance to come back to Julie Girl, one of my favorite, favorite uh, podcasts in Big Brother content um, on Big Brother Twitter and just online it. in general. So thank you once again to Tim North for like just putting all this together because now you've been going three, three seasons strong. Um, Fostering yeah. lots of conversations um, that that necess that aren't necessarily you know as omnipresent in the Big Brother community. And I saw the other day that Absolutely. you just got some shine from the Miss Arissa Cox. So congratulations, yes. congratulations on <laughs> Thank that. You. Moving on up in the world, I'm so happy. And I'm just like I'm happy that I got to have a conversation with not only you but with Michelle as well because like I really enjoyed the mm -hmm. first. Um, the first episode that you two did together last year about being a Black Big Brother fan, and I was like, oh my God, this is it. So I'm like, I'm glad that I was able to actually have an uh, opportunity to sit down and talk with you as well. So it's just been, I just feel like a big weight has been lifted off of my shoulders mm -hmm. right now. Like, just, I feel like, because you don't, I don't, like I said, like, I'm, I tend, I, I tend to be on the humorous side of things a lot of the time, so I really don't, as much as these mm -hmm. conversations are so important, they need to be had, a lot of the time I'll admit that I shy away from having them on Twitter, especially on Twitter, because it's just like, I, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard. hard. And it's hard. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so appreciative and, and grateful that we got to do this today. That just reminds me, BB Team North and Aman, I think it's just so important to continually think about how we create communities within our community, right? We have obviously the BB Twitter community, lots of fun and connections, but how do we think about creating communities and spaces for each other to have the real conversations that we want to mm -hmm. have, to express thoughts that um, we feel like we maybe can't put on the public mm -hmm. forum, but um, we want to say and, and hear what other people are thinking. So I just appreciate mm -hmm. the space. Yes, absolutely. And I appreciate you both for for being open and vulnerable and talking about what, what what's really going on in these BB streets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I forgot awesome. to mention, if Thank you would you like all. to follow my crazy ass, um, my name is Amon <laughs> Adwin on Twitter. <laughs> Julie girl. Julie. Julie. Julie girl. Oh, hey, girl. Oh, hey, girl. Julie, girl, Julie, girl, Julie, girl. Julie, girl, Julie, girl. Oh, hey, Julie, girl. Julie, girl, Julie, girl, Julie, girl. Julie, girl, Julie, girl. Julie, girl, Julie, girl.